What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to another edition of Real Chronicles brought to you by the cinematicreal.com. I am your host, David. I'm joined with today, Mr. Jack Renault, back from vacation. How are you, good sir? I'm doing good. Had a had a much needed break. Uh, got to watch uh, a lot of good stuff during my break, so it never really truly is a break. But we're back and we're talking about one of my all-time favorites from a genre that I am noteworthy for not being too tasteful towards. So I'm very excited for this today. Awesome. And returning from Can, Mr. Hunter Friesen on his speedboat. Welcome back, good sir. I know. I'm on a boat. That's the that's the thing. Uh, yeah, my brakes are still business-oriented as well. So, uh, you know, we're, we're always hitting the ground running with so many great movies. It was a great time, and I'm happy to be back on this one. After almost a month-long break, our last episode was on was the canned draft, so now I'm here to finally talk about it Which three is weeks great. later. And then a special yeah. special guest for today, Mr. Hugh. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> so, it's good, good to be here. Awesome. So today we are going to celebrate the 45th anniversary of what I consider, and I think Jack considers, one of the finest superhero films ever made. The one that, for me, started it all. Superman 78, mm. Dick Donner 78, uh, Superman. Um, we're going to dive into everything, and I can't wait to do that. Before we get into that, let's get into some of the news of the week. It's been a while, so I kind of put together like a sprinkle of some of the the hits of the last couple of weeks. Uh, the first yeah. one actually dropped this week. Uh, we're all big fans of the Academy Awards and the award season, so this is actually pretty big news so dick clark productions and elridge have acquired all the golden globe assets rights and properties away from the hollywood foreign press um are the globes dead hunter and uh well we still have one more at least they are still contracted for 2024 for globes there uh i didn't read what that means for their voting body now because the hfpa is now done and technically is owned by the same company who owns variety and Hollywood Reporter, a deadline or something. So basically, I'd say the trades now own the Golden Globes, which wow, doesn't totally translate to the voting. But I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't read up with what the voting body will be for the Golden Globes because it was only a hundred something people, so quite the shakeup. But I think it'll live on. They still don't have a TV contract passed this next year, so that'll be interesting to see. Will be, will they be the one that jumps to streaming along with SAG? I think in the big way. So. If I'm if I'm correct in my assumption, I haven't really watched this in years. I think Dick Clark Productions still works with ABC for New Year's. So, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I'm pretty it's, sure it's called Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's. It still is. Okay, great. So yeah, like his name's on it, so they're all in. So it wouldn't shock me if they strike a deal with ABC right before they lose the deal with the with the Academy Awards. And then the Oscars transition over to stream, and then the Globes move to ABC. Kind of like a seamless transition for ABC to lose one award show and then gain another. And then they would probably, because they have a contract with the Academy till the 100th Oscars, so they could do the Globes in January and then the Oscars in March, April, or February, March, and kind of have the, the two-handed 
award show combo. So, I mean, I I agree with you on the awards body thing. That's going to be a very interesting thing, how this awards body is set up going forward. Uh, Jack, thoughts? Yeah, just, uh, I mean, just with everything coming out in, like, the past few years, it's been interesting to see, like, where it's gone. And, like, you know, they had that year where they just announced the winners online. um, And it, like, wouldn't surprise me if they ended up just, like, I could see them maybe just relegating to that, but it's become such like a kind of popular show. Like it's become very popular just for the fact that it's, you know, like celebrities kind of, it's a much more casual show than the Oscars. Mm -hmm. So there's almost usually like a funny moment or something Mm -hmm. and you get to honor TV and movies and you don't get, there's a big break of that after like the Emmys. So kind of getting that like early resurgence and then like, that opening for like what shows are coming. And I still think they'll be like prominent in the years to come, but different nonetheless. And this is where you get upset every year when Barry doesn't win uh, awards, right? <laughs> I don't think they've ever, I, I can't remember how much they've been nominated the Globes. Cause I first heard about them. I first heard about Barry like that first year, but I didn't see it until. And we haven't been on the since the finale. Year. So we can actually talk well, about it yep, today. That and succession, uh, I realized that when I was doing my, what I watched, I was like, it's been that long. Jeez. And then Hugh, I know we spoke last year, like on and off about like some awards movies. I know, I don't know if you're into yeah. the season at all, but I know any thoughts at all on this. Uh, well, it's definitely going to be like, there's going to be a lot of changes for sure. Like, that's going to be the one thing is that this whole like transition of power that's going on is like, there's going to be some serious changes, whether they be good ones or bad ones. I think it's too soon to tell. Um, I mean, hopefully there's some good changes that come out of this because that's, that's what everyone has been wanting for like years and years and stuff. Uh, but it's just like, they never like never just came along and all that so i'm just like hoping like at least can there be just some progress somewhere and all that but just don't do it in a stupid way that's gonna just but then again you never know with the award shows is like it's it, you never know what way it's gonna go and stuff, yeah so. no i agree I, I i had mentioned to you like i knew someone uh that was one of the members that got invited to hfpa uh, just someone that I met during a uh, festival season through uh, an acquaintance of mine, and they got one year of voting and gone. <laughs> so, which I, I I have no support for the practice of the HFPA, yeah. but I at least respected and hated the Globes for doing some batshit crazy things every once in a while. We would have never <laughs> had to hope... complain about music if it wasn't for the HFPA. We could just hate the movie and move on. Are they? They throw in like the tourist or something like that. <laughs> bad nominations for bad movies that just shouldn't happen. But they would go for comedy ones. They would go for some stuff every once in a while. They so got. Hoping... I mean, they literally got the king of comedy, Ricky Gervais, to do it on it four times and stuff. That was like That's the only. That was when. That was the only time the Globes ever felt interesting to me. Is like if he was on, I'm there. He is. So hope... Go ahead. Yeah. So I was gonna say. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was just—I was gonna throw on like as like you were kind of saying it, but like as Oscar like predictors, it's also just a really fun show because I remember 2016, everybody was like, "All right, Mahershala Ali, full steam ahead," and then the Globes come up with Aaron Taylor Johnson. I remember yeah. that. Nocturnal remember... Animals, and everyone just goes, "Huh?" Yeah. yeah. So I'm so hoping the new awards great. body doesn't try to become. I like to pick up Critics' Choice 2.0, where it's just mm-hmm. suck ups to the Oscars a little bit, where it's just like 
have some balls to do your own thing every once in a while. Mm. I like that with the Globes, even when they do stupid shit like that, which is part of the game. If you want them to do their own thing, they're going to mess up. So I'm hoping, because then once it's, if all the awards bodies are kind of on the same page, then it's less fun. And I do, I do hope, uh, they do stick around because I do love the, the, the split of drama and comedy because you get some interesting performances that get nominated. Like I, we'll talk about like Disney live action and, and stuff we watched, but like, I'm a big fan of Cruella and I just love that Emma Stone got some love yes. in that category. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that would not get any love obviously in, in an Oscar body or something along no. those lines. Well, or like, um, what was Philip Seymour Hoffman's Cooper Hoffman from liquor for liquor's pizza. pizza. That's a great. Movie, and he got a nomination for that. I was like, he wasn't getting an Oscar nomination, but like good, good on them for, you know, saying, Telling him he had a good performance and sticking up for him. I was like, we need that. And they actually yeah. gave The Hangover best picture, which is like, I adore <laughs> yeah. that, I adore yeah. that yeah. movie. So that was that was sure. great to see. But yeah, we'll so see like, what happens. There, there's Go merits ahead. to this thing if somebody will realizes the potential to do something different with it and runs with it well. Then there's potential. I would be happy. I yeah, and and maybe change up some of the categories to kind of be a bit more inclusive of stuff. Because I, I always found that the, when they mixed in the comedy and musical stuff, it's like, those should be separate. I think there's a lot, because otherwise you're kind of uh you're like some if one is maybe like oh more of a musical than a comedy and stuff it's like should be separate you know and the best stuff. thing about the hfpa is that they'll, they'll put in dramas in comedy every year so you know they just don't care <laughs> um, yeah all right so moving on from that uh this one's specifically for hunter because i know how much he loves live action disney uh, remakes and oscar ooh. and the oscar so we have uh Freshly awarded Academy Award winner Sarah Polly yeah. talks to direct a live action Bambi. Listen, I, I, I'll make my <laughs> thoughts quick. I'm not huge on these things. We we probably all not. are not. But no. good for her to get her bag. Let her get her money. Yeah. Do her thing. As and then it's not going to stop her from making great movies going forward. I'm mm. I'm fine. If with anything, this. it will help her make great movies going yeah, forward. Yeah, she's going to exactly. get the money for it. I'm fine with this. I, I I've always like not you guys obviously because we all have like great chemistry and conversations but like seeing on twitter like people get so like angry about these award-winning directors taking projects that are going to make them money and i'm like what do you are we communists here do you not want these people to make their money it's one job uh will we like the movie who knows maybe maybe not it doesn't really matter but good for her for at least getting the opportunity to win an oscar and that's what i think like that's why i love so much about the oscars is that it gives you the pedestal to make a money-making movie like this and then transition back to an indie. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, and like, it's nothing new. I mean, like, Chloe Zhao directed Eternals. Um, Hmm. Pretty pretty sure Barry Jenkins was the director of the Lion King remake. Um, No, no, he's the director of the new one. John Favreau. John Favreau. Oh, oh, oh. oh, Barry Jenkins is doing the sequel. So, so yeah, like, it's nothing new. Uh, And, yeah, like I mentioned, like, it's just one job. Like, they're gonna be doing other movies i'm sure and i mean like it's not unheard of for directors to go from like genre to genre like make a big movie and then make one for like one for me one for you you know so look at look at coppola he did jack exactly (laughs) 
<laughs> but also, uh, I think the thing to kind of keep in mind as well and stuff, because the one thing is, is that, yeah, even though I've been kind of sick of the, the live action remakes, too, and stuff, is that there have been occasions where a director, a very specialized director that is, again, either won an Oscar or has gotten a lot of attention for some previous films that they've done, uh, that if they're allowed to have their own vision... Uh, with a movie like for example I forgot who directed Corella but like that you could tell that was their own vision it wasn't some pa- pitch like frame by frame remake uh like copy and paste of like the like how some of the other live action disney's have been it was like it was like fully a complete reimagining and stuff and mm-hmm. that those are the kind of things i like they did that a bit with cinderella they did that a bit with the jungle book and even though i haven't fully watched it i heard peter pan and wendy has a bit of uh reimagining with it like in some parts yeah i like that uh, i like that so, I'm, for what it was as well yeah so i i will say it it is interesting that she chooses Bambi of all things. It will be interesting to see that just as long as the animals actually have emotions this time, not like Lion King where they were just so super realistic is like the voices had emotion, but the faces did not, especially when you're going to traumatize a bunch of kids with killing the mother again on screen. I I will Uh, tell you, uh, Jack, this one, I I know you're a fan of like, um, looking back at villains and realizing they're not villains after all. Apparently Lion King 2 is going to justify Scar's actions. Okay, so that is that your number I'm one JK, I'm joking. Well, they, uh, they, I'm... Uh, he did say the Godfather Part 2 was the influence on the new Lion King. Wait, so... did he really say that? Yeah, he really oh. said that. Oh, then for oh, like, this is a, this is a pre- this is a, It's a prequel sequel. Movie of That's the year for Dave right there. Oh, <laughs> man. If we get like a random like Black Turtleneck guy in there, that'll be like phenomenal. <laughs> um, the la- the yeah. last shot of the movie is Scar just laying in a field. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what about you, Hunter? I, thoughts? Um, I'm going to be 100% honest. I probably won't watch this movie. Oh, I'm going to be great. straight yep. up. Yep. But but it is the same as Jack mentioned. It's I have the same thing for Barry Jenkins where, sure, I want Barry Jenkins to make more Beale Streets and more Moonlights. They're not lighting the box office on fire. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the margins for success on Oscar movies are real thin where one failure can send you down. But a Lion King movie, that gets you at least two to three more movies. And I always think of this, we will never likely know the reasoning behind taking this job like she can say what she wants but we really don't know yeah. is she the money does she have a connection to this material i mean i'll tell you right now if i made all the art house movies in the world and i was acclaimed but someone offered me the snoopy movie i'd probably do it because yeah, i have yeah. to the peanuts the charlie brown and snoopy i'd probably do it because i have such a connection to that character so and I, think, I, you know, I can't criticize them though. I, we, well, I'll never know the real reasons, and you know, the the inner reasons for it. So, who am I to criticize it? And I think maybe direct, I'm disappointed. But directors, directors, writers, actors that start doing work for Disney usually stay in the family, when, yeah. and they start working you know, on different properties. So, it, we'll I, see. I at least say I had no care about the Lion King remake, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. What either. Barry Jenkins do? Barry Jenkins does with the other one. I'm curious. I'm like, okay, that's something. What does Chloe Zhao do with Eternals? I was curious. Didn't work out, but I was very curious. Yeah, now you got so, me I mean, thinking of a, the Don Fanucci in, in, in the, uh, yeah, the new Lion King. It's, I'll give them that one. At least on paper, they have me more interested. Because if you announced Bambi movie directed by uh, Alan... Oh, what's the guy who did Thor 2? Alan something. Some just just no. random workman-like director. I wouldn't care. I'd be like zero... Yeah toss it up but since it's yeah. Sarah Polly I'm like 
you know, I'll at least wait for the reviews. Maybe then I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, this one, this next bit of news, I know we are all very excited about. I, I didn't think this was an Oscar movie because of the premise, but now I am. I should never doubt Yorgos. We got a new trailer from Poor Things last week, and yeah, my Lanta, my Lanta. Um, this looks pretty damn like production design wise, just looks stunning. And um, I'm starting to think this may be more of a player than I think it's going to be weird. But I, I, for for, I mean, for anyone that's seen Yorgos, <laughs> like for the ones that've seen the Yorgos films, I thought it was going to be more like Sacred Deer than the favorite. But I think this feels like a very middle ground of mm-hmm. both. Uh, but yeah, trailer looks great. Emma Stone, I adore. So I can't wait to see what she's what she does here. Uh, mm-hmm. Hunter, I'll start with you here. What do you think of the trailer? Yeah, all three of Yorgos Lanthimos English language films were in my were my top film of that year. So oh, obviously, I'm very excited for this movie because the lobster sacred deer the favor all some of my favorite movies the last couple years i yeah originally when i read this on paper i thought it'd be more akin to the favorite and this went way weirder than that which is totally fine and i'm hoping not that any movie lives or dies for the oscars how much we talk about it but i'm hoping that the favorite with its 10 nominations plus a win plus all that critics pushes people to accept a really weird yorgos who's going back to his roots of that so Plus, it just looks amazing. So, it, amazingly interesting as well. So, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, I remember seeing the lobster at NIF, and mm-hmm. there was like uh, my fiance at the time next to me, and then like this old lady to my left, and you can see on her face, she was like, "What the fuck yeah. am I watching?" They, they what? I don't know what website they do it. The, the film that lit my fuse. I think it's on like Deadline or whatever. Where filmmakers talk about a movie that got him interested. The lobster was that one for me. Or I saw in the summer of 2016 by myself in a theater, and that just like clicked with discovering movies as other than blockbusters. Like what? I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah. And it had me. Which for a Yorgos movie is like 50-50 with some people. So I'm very happy and lucky that I was on the good side. For sure. Because I could have been turned off, and I would never be here today. What about you, Jack? Yeah, I'm. I'm in the same boat as you guys. I was. Uh... Again, kind of all like Hunter, I thought it would be more like the favorite. But yeah, knowing that it's going to be kind of more on the surreal side definitely has me more excited. And I was I was going to say the same thing. I think the fact that the favorite was able to do so well will at least have it on the radar. And I do think I'm praying at least for a potential Willem Dafoe nomination because what well, we've only oh had God, a, that... slim, a slim handful of them when there should be more. Um, yeah. He's essentially yeah, he, playing Dr. Frankenstein, right? He's like that much. version of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yet, yeah, go ahead. A similar reaction. My, my, my mom is like a big, like, kind of like Anglophile and loves all those, like, mm. royal family kind of movies. I told her about the favorite and she watched it and was just like, what is this? And I was He's like, good. yeah. Did like, she like good. it? Oh, she she liked it. Okay. But she was just okay, like, she, she, it was just movie. like she mm-hmm. thought it was weird the whole time, just like the style and all. And I was like, yeah, it's very not, it's very not the crown, that's for sure. No, <laughs> so, and and Hugh, what about you? Uh, so I definitely was very intrigued by the trailer, not only of course for the people in it and stuff, but just the style itself. And honestly, when I first saw it, like when I first saw the teasers and then saw the official trailer, I was thinking like this feels like a surreal Tim Burton film and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> just just from the just from some of the gothic elements that it has and stuff, and especially just like how everyone looks and just how everything kind of feels set wise. So 
Um, I'm definitely interested in giving it a go um, for sure. I'm not sure if I'll see it day one immediately. It all depends on what's going on at that time. But yeah, like it definitely really caught my interest. It could potentially become my new favorite of his because I kind of I really love that stuff and, and especially the quote unquote Frankenstein story. It's a favorite of mine. I'm into horror. I'm, I'm a bit of a horror nut with anything, and I like different takes on that kind of uh, those kind of stories. So yeah, it's like I'm. It definitely intrigues me in all these different ways. It's not awesome. Yeah. And Hunter, uh, where are we looking? Telluride or, or Venice? Well, it's going to Venice. We already kind of know that, only because. Um, Yorgos was there with the favorites, and the movie, the release date lines up that it'll be there. Telluride, it could, but that would be right as it releases Releases. in theaters, so who knows? So, either way, once it debuts in Venice, it comes out in theaters a week later, so not not long of a wait, which is nice. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, we it, it screens for us the same day it premieres at Venice, kind of an asteroid city kind of thing. They, which I'd be so for, very happy. For I don't know how Minnesota does it for us. If it premieres at a festival, we have to wait at least a, like four or five days because that's what we waited for yeah. uh, for Asteroid City was like four or five days after. That's weird because ours was Asteroid City was the same exact day. You got me. it, yeah. You actually got it before us. Yeah, which I was like, how is how is it that you get it after me? That never happens. Yeah, like. I mean, I technically, I saw it. I saw it in Can after all the Minnesota people had already seen it. I was like, "How the hell does that happen?" <laughs> I was, um, I was happy with it. Next bit of views is more for me, and and well, Pew says he likes horror, so maybe I'll throw him in here. Uh, mm-hmm. Terrifier three has been greenlit, and it will be releasing in twenty twenty four. Shout yeah, out! Yeah. Shout out to the entire team. They're uh, my buddy's a producer on it, so I'm so happy that uh, they're, they're yeah. getting a another crack at the apple i'm like i i fucking love terrifier too oh i love the first one uh yeah like wow it's it's surprising just how far this series has come through and just how it's really impacted the horror community because of course i'm i'm very deep into the horror community like i followed so many accounts that literally are obsessed with that shit like collectibles and everything and all that but it's so interesting to see how much terrifier really like impacted like the fact that now Especially, of course, uh, Art the Clown and all that has become so iconic. He's pretty much being put up next to, like, the big names like Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees and stuff. It's just, like, all this from one first small film that just, like, started it all. And then here we are with its third installment. Um, Just hoping that, of course, it can nail it down third times because, of course, everyone knows the third time can always be the worst time. But again, if they're if they're all like if they're all focused, they have a good idea for a third sequel and they know what they're doing and then they can give the same amount of effort they brought to the first two. Then uh, I'm looking forward to see what they do. Yeah, I think I think they know where they're going uh, mm-hmm. just the way two ended. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you on the placement of Art the Clown as like this horror icon, icon yeah. type already. Just the look of his and. The body, the body horror. Actually, Jack, maybe you'd appreciate Hunter. Have no, I would not recommend this to Hunter whatsoever. <laughs> make, 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 we'll talk about our recent trade movie trade didn't go off well for you, but make me a good trade and I'll watch them. I'm not like, I'm not gonna shut it down. And be like, no, nope, I'll just never watch this Terrifier movie. One, just get him right to two. Yeah, because it's actually so the first appearance of his was in this uh, anthology Short. film. It was an anthology film called All Hallows Eve, which is. His stuff is good, but it's not the same actor that plays him in the Terrifier movies, David Howard mm-hmm. Thornton. And he plays him essentially because he doesn't talk. He's a mute. 
Uh, so yeah. he pretty much his inspiration for him, Jack, is actually Buster Keaton for how he plays the character. So it's very, okay. yeah, it's very physical comedy in the way he maneuvers throughout the movie. So yeah, I, I'm excited, can't wait for it. Uh, and then the last bit of news is just came in last night. Uh, flash dropped, so we get news that uh, Andy Muschietti will be directing Batman Brave, Brave, and, Brave the and the Bold. So. Another another Batman movie on the way. Uh, I do like Batman Brave and the Bold. Now the whole conversation starts of who's not going to... I'm actually more interested in who's going to play Damien more than who's going to play Batman. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah, for sure. I have I have some in mind. Like I would love... It's just If they go for a 15, 16-year-old Damien, we have Jacob Tremblay's just chilling there. And that, that that's literally one of my first like one of my first fan casts. That's literally Jacob Tremblay and stuff like and that I, was the first I, one. I, came I just saw him in a movie a couple of days ago for at Tribeca and he's definitely doesn't look like a kid anymore. So actually would actually <laughs> fit really well. Uh, Jack, any interest here? I'll see. You know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I said the other day, you know, like when I don't like. When I don't need to watch like a bunch of like superhero movies before one, then yeah, I'll go into it. Like the Batman, I was there. Like I didn't expect to be there opening day, but I was, and I mm. had an absolute blast. And it still ended up being my favorite of last year. So there is always precedent. While it's hard to surpass the mountain sometimes. And then Hunter, yeah. it's all dependent if the T wolves play that game that day, right? <laughs> it, could, it could be that. Well, it depends when it comes out. Uh, yeah, contrary to maybe beliefs assumptions i do like comic book movies uh but i would say dcu i don't think i've liked a single one they put out because i think we have 14 of them and i think the only one i like uh, is batman v superman oh my god and i oh, mildly oh like it oh no. mildly like that movie okay so so <laughs> you not got me even thinking that much, now but, but like a Batman movie, I'm always interested. The Batman was one of the best movies of last year, so I'm not really liking that there's two going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like just, I, I will. Yeah. I will. I'm, I'm also. I have no idea what the Brave and the Bold storyline is. I know there's a cartoon I, of that. I, I never do. watched. I, I don't know. So maybe. I wait because I know you said Damien. So what actually? What is it about? You might interest me. So oh, da- okay. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I, I, Q, I, do I, your thing. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So I actually know about the whole. Uh, so obviously, Brave and the Bold has been kind of the title for many comic titles over the years. Uh, and then, of course, as you mentioned, there was an animated series and stuff. But that that was very different trajectory. But for so this specific storyline, so this talks about the character of Damien Wayne, the fourth Robin, who of course is uh, Bruce's uh, son that he has with Talia Al Ghul, who's the daughter of. Raz Al Ghul or Ra's Al Ghul. Sometimes it's pronounced differently. Um, so obviously he's been one of ba- uh, Batman's big villains. He had this secretive romance with his daughter and then out of it comes a kid. And so it really plays into the whole idea is that, oh, now Bruce is a dad. Like, and of course he, I mean, obviously he lost his parents at a very young age. So it's like, this is a whole completely new thing. I mean, he already with his psychological mind is like, how do you, with someone like Batman, how do you raise a kid? Like, obviously, he's raised different individuals before with you had Dick Grayson, you had Jason Todd, you had Tim Drake. But in this case, it's very different, especially with Damien himself, because when he was born through Talia, he was raised through the League of Assassins. So he's learned to kill. So he's like a full on mini assassin. 
essentially right from the right from the moment that he's born. So pretty much he his morals are completely different from what Batman's are like completely stark difference because, of course, it's the moral line. You do not kill. So it's like, how do you work that out of a kid who's been trained like to believe in that from the moment he was born? So it's a very interesting dynamic between the two. And then, of course, the one thing that uh, James Gunn also did discuss with this movie is that it will introduce members of the Bat family. So it's kind of the first Batman film to kind of start right off with the Bat family, like already established characters. And that hasn't happened before. We've had a couple Robins introduced in some of the past iterations, but they were always introduced like through the stories. Like they kind of plugged them in, even in the last minute of uh, Dark Knight Rises, they somehow threw a Robin in there. Uh, but to have a fully established family, you have the different Robins who have different personas. And then, of course, you also have the potential of a Batgirl maybe appearing or or even Batwoman because, of course, like, the family is large. So it's very different compared – like that's the thing is that it's not like repeating an origin story for Batman the millionth time, uh, which and people have always had an issue with. But that was what, what the Batman did so well is that it didn't repeat an origin. It just had a, a Batman that's established in a different story. And so now that they have a great way to differentiate the two, you have the Batman like solo universe going on that Matt Reeves is controlling, that's doing its own story. And then you have this one who basically you have a Batman who has this whole family and is already established and stuff. So it's like you can have a lot of different ways to take that character. And especially with the uh, different storylines that Brave and the Bold goes is that they can really work a lot with that. Plus, you're also sharing with a lot of superhuman characters because there's already going to be a lot established uh so there's a lot of ways it can go and i'm definitely interested to see what they can do with it yeah for sure uh yeah the whole universe aspect of this stuff is like just kind of what jack kind of makes the perfect analogy for like or description for someone that wants to watch these things but feels like you need homework to get here i think i think we're kind of reached the for me, at least, my thoughts are like you kind of we kind of hit the point where maybe these extended universes may not be the best idea going forward because everything's just going to feel like homework. Like I watched uh, I will get to it in a second. I want stuff we watch. But I, I saw the first two episodes of Secret Invasion and it kind of felt fresh not to have to have years upon years upon years of homework. If you kind of know the basic mm-hmm. information on these characters, you're good to yeah. go. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens here. Uh, all right, cool. So yep, that uh, Hunter, you're gonna say something. Based on uh, repeating the Sarah Pauly Bambi thing, I talked about <laughs> they got the best person for the job. Uh, based on what I thought of the Flash, I don't think Andy Muschietti is the best person for the job <laughs> here. So, so that is that is one thing holding I'll, me up. Yeah, so I've actually I'll, liked I'll, every Muschietti film so far. I mean, you know, I like the Flash, but I also like Mama. I like it. I'm a little bit iffy on It Chapter Two. Uh, but I, 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 I think he has a I, – I don't think it's all his fault for the no. people that didn't like The Flash. True. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, it's, so, it's also uh, not giving me confidence. I'm not like, yes, they got no, this for guy. Sure. Uh, I, will, I, will, I will bring this up. So, Hunter, I actually didn't like The Flash either. I actually went on a very huge rant about well, it. Well, hold that. Hold that uh, so okay, we can I'm talk about it. But, but, but I, will, I will just say this, like just for – to simplify it and stuff is that – I'm I'm okay with Andy Muschietti getting a chance to do this only because on the Flash 
it went through several directors, went through so many cooks, went through so many writing and so much like the studio just going in, shoving in, taking this, taking that. But then with the Batman Brave and the Bold, you have a chance to just make a clean slate. You're not working with already a pre-made script, which is what happened with The Flash because it was already made by a couple other people. So it's like you basically have a clean slate to do whatever you want and a lot more freedom under new management. So it's like, okay, just even though I was disappointed with this film, I don't entirely blame Andy for that. So it's like, okay, I'll give him another go, see what he can do. And to be fair, I liked what he did with the Batman characters uh, in the movie for what he was able to do. Um, And I feel like, okay, let's just see where it goes from that. It's a couple years down the road, so anything could change, of course. So but I'm, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. Alrighty, so let's move on to what we watch for the week. Jack, you were on vacation, so you probably saw nothing, right? I actually have some stuff because you know, vacation usually means car trip, and car trip usually means good old rewatches. So we got a few of those under my belt. Uh, I rewatched uh, the Jacques Demy classic, The Young Girls of Rochefort. Day. Oh my, I'm sorry. Oh. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I know. A big, big blind spot oh, on your end as a, big, as a big Umbrellas fan. I think you will love it. And it's also just a great kind of Easter egg movie for me because it features actors from my two favorite musicals. It has Gene Kelly uh, and then it has George Shakiris, who played Bernardo in. Is it in English? Is that one in English or, or French? It's in French. It's in French. It's in French. Yeah, yeah. Because yes. I know Umbrellas oh. is in French. And it's not. Like umbrellas, you know, that's got like the whole like it's it's sung all throughout. But young girls has like actual like dialogue. So I literally uh, was my, my re- next question because I was wondering. I, I recommend it to Helmer. Be, that'll be the one selling point. It's like it's not all sung like umbrellas, so you're gonna have some break. But... I think that works so well with umbrellas, though. That's just my oh, it does. my two cents yeah, on I, it. I really like it. I mean, it was longer than I would maybe take issue, but it's only like an hour and a half. So, and mm-hmm. I've like seen operas before, so it's fine. Uh, then I began my Indiana Jones rewatch, uh, Raiders, ah. Temple of Doom, Last Crusade will come soon, but I mean, Raiders still top 20 favorite movie ever for me. Uh, Temple of Doom, you know, <laughs> bottom of the original three, but I think it probably has the best action set pieces of the bunch. Uh, Raiders, I, or Last Crusade, I've always gone to more for the characters, Temple of Doom has the great action, and then Raiders just kind of balances both. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched Suspiria, Dave, 1977. Sorry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, why don't you do a double feature? What the? I, I do want. I do need to. I do want to do that, and I'm yeah. gonna. I'm gonna be looking into the Blu-ray here soon, so I might okay. just say screw it and buy both. So there's a go. Hunter. There's a there's a rumor that 2018 is coming out on 4K. You'll get me to watch Ooh. it there, so I definitely will there do a double go. feature. I mean, have you only seen, have you only seen it once? Well, I've only seen it that one time, and I was like oh. very, very, okay. very, very disappointed. See, here I am. I've seen it three times, and I love it. <laughs> the ending uh, is great. I think we've discussed that about the ending. Like, the the ending whole great. movie's great. <laughs> wait, did <laughs> you go five? Great, wait, obviously. you you went five stars on that, right? No, I think no. I'm like four and a half. Okay, yeah. cool. I was gonna say we would have had a lot more combos if it was five stars for Hunter. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is um, along with Alien. Alien is my favorite horror movie, but Suspiria 2018 is number mm. two. So there you go. Mm. Uh, 
it seems to be a common occurrence, but it, I feel like whenever I go on vacation, Titanic is almost always playing in the hotel. So I rewatched <laughs> that. Uh, you know, never gets old. Had some good convos with the parents about Billy Zane and his eyebrows. <laughs> Are they on my side? Uh, uh, they're like he's an asshole. Like they have nothing. They have nothing against Billy Zane's performance, but like they're not like, yeah, what a good guy. Listen, like, man. They they also just love Jack Dawson more, so they're like, by they're by default like, screw this guy. That for, crook. You know, <laughs> he didn't steal it. You know him. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, see, my, uh, my my Titanic is Ocean's Eleven, the Silverberg hey. one. It is. I'm here. I'm here. We we come here maybe twice a year. In the last, I think four times we've been here, Ocean's Eleven has been on TV. So I watched it every year, <laughs> I, and I love that movie. I so I'm happy. It just them. somehow it's like, how is this always on TV when I'm here? So I, it's perfect. So we we always reconnect on these movies, Hunter, because like. I fucking adore Ocean's Eleven. I so so oh, yes. much. Oh, good. I love it. That and Ocean's Twelve are my absolute favorites. Do you like thirteen? 13 I like. I like. 13. I like it. Yeah. I like. I like all I like of them, 13. but like twelve, I like the most. I really I th- like. I think Jack can guess why I like thirteen more than twelve. Well, I wonder who's in. The <laughs> you don't know. 13. Wait, do you know who the villain is in thirteen, Jack? I've I've got a guess. <laughs> yeah, it's Pacino. Well, guess it now. Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Pacino's so <laughs> he's oh my god, he's so fun. He's good. He's, he's so fun in that. All right, go ahead, Jack. Sorry. Uh, oh, a couple more things. I watched the uh, the Warner Brothers documentary. Uh, really, really interesting stuff that they put out for the hundredth uh, anniversary. Um, did you get around to that, Dave? Did you see it? They're on my queue on Max. I haven't got okay, it. Okay, okay. It's on my queue. Well. There's like four of them, right? I think there was a, I think there was only like two, but okay. they're like hour and a half each. But yeah, the first one's more like early stuff, and then the second one kind of gets more into like the modern like landscape. Uh, are they like <laughs> propaganda? Or are they like actual knowledge? <laughs> you know, information. It's, no, it, it, it's very, it's very knowledgeable. I'd say okay. I, I got, I got a good history lesson out of that. That's for sure. Rather than just a bunch of people, you know, just being like, oh, like I loved working with Warner Brothers. You know, like they let me do this. I'm and all that so kind of proud stuff. of this community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I rewatched uh, the Red Shoes for the first oh, time in a couple masterpiece. of years. Masterpiece. Uh, that that I think that's Hunter Bait right there. I think. Oh yeah. I, it's it's, it's been on my watch list for years. I, I and I, every time I'm like, God damn, I should watch this. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen a movie that Hunter hasn't seen that I feel confident that I feel more confident that he'd go mm-hmm. four and a half five stars. Like that's how Ooh. that's how good Red Shoes. It is. looks it looks great. I really want to see it. I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. I think it's yeah, I, maybe I, I think it's probably I'm hoping top, it's in theaters somewhere. I think it's top three most beautiful movies ever made. Like. It looks stunning. It's up there for me. Yeah, I, like that's a that's a tough list for me to make just because that's something that I like think about a lot and have a lot of different thoughts on. But Red Shoes is up there for sure. And come July, potential Criterion sale. I think once I pick up After Hours, four K, my friend, four K. I have. I don't want to buy that. Pl- I don't want to buy that player yet. I'm sure Blu-ray will suffice. I have it. <laughs> I have an extra player. I may send it to you as a thank you gift. But now you need a 4K TV, though. Oh, wait, you don't have a 4K TV, so I can't send you that. I think I do. I, I, I do, actually. I let just me, have a, let I me just know, have an Xbox and player. I'll send you my extra one. Uh, and then... Oh, <laughs> I I was hanging out with a friend, and we were just like, we should watch some of those, like, funny. And I was just thinking about, like, the stuff that makes them laugh. And I was like, I know what I'll show oh, you. God. I'm going to oh, put on a house. 19, the 1977... Oh horror comedy classic and he 
he was rolling with it. He he told me he was like, I just love when like filmmakers just like put all the darts in their hand and just throw them all at once and just see what lands. And see what lands. <laughs> yeah, he just thought it was crazy. And I mean, me always, it's just such a baffling movie. I'm I'm always here for my you know thoroughly narratively driven stories such as The Godfather. But every now and then I love to just let loose and just let house just let absolute chaos yeah. over me and then <laughs> we we all have our own movies that do that so it's totally understandable and i think yeah we'll, we'll come back to these two whenever uh you talk Dave. yeah uh, the, the two big shows hunter do you want to run through canned yeah yeah i was that was that's the glut of mostly that's what i got i was i i was olympian in my endurance and physical uh, upkeep this year, so I was able to see 13 movies in the three days, and didn't want to kill, didn't want to, didn't want to kill myself by the end of it. So, Perfect, which is better than most. Yeah. So, um, let's see the highlights, because like you watch 13 movies and you look at Can. There are some of those movies that just don't exist outside of the festival. And that's just how it happens. Mm. But like yeah. some that I watched, you know, Asteroid City, I watched and really liked. It's out in theaters now. So, uh, yeah. gotta, gotta wait till next week. That's true. That's, I gotta it's wait until it's out everywhere. Yeah, that is true. I mean, no surprise. I like the new Wes Anderson movie, but it, it, it's a very interesting movie, way very. beyond what the trailers give away. I had my eyebrow raised the whole time in a good way. I was just like, mm. "What the hell's going on?" So, yeah. Uh, another one I love. I love the Zone of Interest was my absolute favorite movie. The festival. I've probably haven't. I've thought about it pretty much every day since I've seen it. Uh, it is kind of. I know it's a it's it's maybe a heightened statement to say it's like Stanley Kubrick kind of if he did a Holocaust movie because it so redefines the Holocaust subgenre of wow. subgenre. So it is such a not weird way, but in uh, it is provocation by absence where it doesn't show you a single thing that really happens, but you know it happens because you know the Holocaust, you've seen those movies, you've been to classes, and this is just implying all of it, and you it knows that your imagination is much more scary than what you see. So Let me, that's the one that I wanted to kind of start with asking you questions. Uh, oh, yeah. Player? Or it's too experimental. I yeah, I see a lot of people throwing it up in their best picture, like not locks, but like high in. And I'm like, may it's like it'd be like a nine or a ten right now as I mm, see it okay. on the best picture. Because like Jonathan Glazer for best director, I could see he could be that kind of I know international director slot. We talk about you know, foreign Every language, year. but he could be that kind of he is you doing all the things that branch likes so i could definitely see him in adapted screenplay i'd say i'd say no at the moment because screenplay is there is like no screenplay in this kind of but it is i read the wikipedia article on the book and this movie has zero connection to the books talking about kubrick it's like kubrick shining is because like the book the the zone of interest book is about like a love triangle there is not a third person in this movie. They they just cut out the whole triangle part of it. I was like, oh okay. So thank God because I hate love triangles. So. Uh, yeah, but it's it's incredible score. Even though the score is maybe only twenty percent of the movie, so it's it's uh it's Mika, cinema. right? Mika. Yeah, oh. and the whole the movie, the first five minutes of the movie is just a black screen and an overture, and it's incredible. So it's very Let's artsy go. like I'm that. In. I'm yeah, in. and it's it's amazing, <laughs> but then it doesn't come back too much, so it's a little disappointing because it's just all kill and no filler. So mm. 
it, there's a lot of things about it. This is a very, you know, uh, I, I we talked about a little bit Oscar movies dying at the box office. I don't know how you like she said last year. I'm like I don't know how I could convince somebody to go see this movie. I, I besides us, I don't know who I'm gonna convince to go see the Zone of Interest. Not that that's gonna matter for it, but like, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a critics movie and nowhere else, which mm. is fine. It's gonna need that critics push, and I I hope it gets it with a 98 on Metacritic or whatever. I think it'll get that. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, yep. other ones other ones I liked uh, I really Anatomy of Fall the Palm Door winner mm. I think was a really good movie uh, Sandra Wheeler is amazing it's the kind of a crime that can can't jury can't give out multiple big prizes to the same movie because it winning the Palm Door meant Sandra Wheeler couldn't win Best Actress which is unfortunate because she totally deserves it the movie is basically a HBO courtroom drama condensed into two and a half hours it is a twisty turny movie that elevates i talked i think it was kind of like um saint omer is one of my favorite movies last mm-hmm. year and that's a very art house corporate drama this is that mixed with trial of the chicago seven where it's Ooh. like it's still entertaining mm. as hell and it's got that kind of sorkin dialogue but it's still kind of got that european art house sensibility to it so it's very entertaining you could watch it no problem and you can let other people watch it but it's smarter and better than most courtroom movies are so it was very it was very fun to watch uh other one i liked about dry grasses i liked which is one 200 minutes long oh my god yeah no it's uh by oh, nuri oh. Bill, Bill j chalon who's <laughs> only made three hour plus movies his last like four movies so that wasn't too surprising but it Jeez. is a very 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 talky turkish movie that was like my third movie in a five movie day so it's the cursing and blessing of a festival. It's like you get to see all these movies. At the same time, you're not giving this 200 movie the, the, the time of day it deserves. Mm-hmm. So, but I still liked it. Uh, Firebrand by with Alicia Vikander and Jude Law. Mm. I don't know really know why it was there. Uh, the director has been to Cannes a couple of times, but this one didn't have any directorial flair. This should have been like a TIFF movie or something. It was good wow. because I like these kinds of movies. Pun intended. It's not gonna light the world on fire. So it's, <laughs> it's a good movie that it's a good movie that I liked. I don't think it'll go anywhere in the Oscar yeah. conversation or box office. But yeah, and then May December, I quite I kind of like I liked quite a bit, and I commend the cast and crew for not giving away how silly this movie kind of is and can't be and just weird the whole time. It is just like Zone of Interest. I would not pause the brakes but maybe let up a little bit on the gas when people are throwing this in the oscar predictions as like a firm player because this is a strange movie that i was kind of on the wavelength for i liked it i didn't love it as much who made it but uh this is todd haynes directed it oh Uh, and it was bought by netflix which is probably the best place it could go because i don't know how this movie survives at the box office based on current box office trends because it is a weird adult movie that some people will definitely hate because of its treatment of the storyline even though the movie is kind of in on the joke so mm-hmm. there's some good ones i've been very intrigued by that by since i started just reading yeah, reactions it is one of those where it has kind of not kind of brian de palma sensibilities where it's very heightened of its subject matter the score is really good but it's like a piano that's like pounding on the keys mm-hmm. the whole time and it's very fun to watch and everybody's on the same wavelength so it was it was fun and there was a few other foreign movies i saw that i didn't love 
or that one there's one called black flies with sean penn that was pretty bad there's one oh, the new ken that. loach new ken loach film the old oak was really oh honey you're on mute, you're on ah. mute. I <laughs> run, but don't worry don't worry <laughs> the old oak by ken loach was like really bad so there was there was some bad ones in there so yeah all right and then anything outside else? of canada uh extraction 2 was quite good flash was really bad and 300 Rise of Empire I watched at like 1 a.m. with oh. a friend. Not too bad, honestly. We were, uh, we were, we were gaming that night. We're like, that yeah, let's just watch a movie. And it was like 12.30 at night. And somebody's like, what about 302? I was like, I haven't watched it. They're like, fuck it. And then I'm like, you know, it's all right. It's It knows what it is. It's not exactly well made, but it is just violence for two hours. And I was okay with that at, that late at night. You so. definitely forgot one, but I, I'll bring it up in my end. Uh and then Ooh, you can touch your, you can touch base on it. Hugh, I know you you saw the flash. Anything else you want to highlight? Uh, yeah. So I kind of was like much. up and down all over the place with a lot of different ones from different places. Uh, but so uh, so yeah, Flash was on a Monday, a very late Monday night. Um, but then also I uh, because I I came across it on Netflix. I watched Starship Troopers. I've never <laughs> that seen was, that movie. Oh, oh really? I for, yeah, I forgot like how like fun it is and from a certain sense but like of course i also get why some people may not like it because it's very like it's it's kind of like a lot of uh meta jokes involved with it like what it's really talking about like some people will think it's like oh it's just this cringy low budget sci-fi thing that was trying so hard to be like star wars or something like that but that's not what it all it is and stuff it's like when you read like that's what the sequels became like the sequels are absolute garbage but this first one what it was trying to do what the messages that it was coming across it's like one of those fun movies it's like you you look back on it's like oh i see what i could do uh and then also because it's 30th anniversary was uh this week jurassic park the first one of course uh, always good to revisit and all that. It's just like, I can't believe it's like 30 years. It's like, that's it's like, make, it's like, even though I'm like, it's like, I'm 27, but it's like, I feel old. I feel old. How do, you, how do you think I'm 37 and I'm like, it's Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. You are old. yeah. yeah. Um, I, and then, and then of course, obviously watching the flash inspired me to watch the, uh, the Batman, the eighties Batman, obviously Michael Keaton, Batman. So like I watched the, the first one and then of course watch the film that we're going to be discussing a little shortly. And yep. then also, uh, well, just earlier tonight, uh, watch extraction two, which I really had an enjoyment of. I'm still kind of thinking of the thoughts right now of like where I'm planning to rank it and all that. But I will say this, it's, it improves a lot of different things, especially the action in particular. Uh, Sam Hargrave, like obviously he had quite a few years since the first one to kind of improve his directing skills. And he certainly did with this one. Uh, that very ambitious 21 minute one take that was being so hyped up definitely lived up to the hype. Like I, I, I didn't know when to expect it whatsoever but then i was just shocked that it's just like it kept going but it it didn't lose me the entire time because that's the thing it's like if you're gonna make a very long take like that you have to keep viewers engaged through the whole thing and i for me personally i felt he did a really excellent job doing it obviously you can tell when they have the hidden cuts and all that as you would with any one take but 
with a lot of the one shots that we've had so far this year, there have been quite a few in some of the big budget ones. I feel this was the best one because of just how seamless it fell and how practical it all looked without relying too heavily on any CGI effects to help it along the way. Awesome. Uh, and I feel that's what really, uh, that's definitely what helped it. And then, of course, just a few other stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much been my week. It's just been all over the place with different stuff. All right. Uh, Hunter and Jack, as you guys know, I don't have much to 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 run That's through true. today um i mean do we can i go run some errands what happened yeah i'm not going through a, i have seen over 100 movies in the last two weeks but i'm not i was, I was like i got some errands to run i can go do <laughs> no no, no. And i got time I, I only singled out a few but i did want to start with tv uh two shows jack and i will touch on and then one i just want to tell how much i hated uh so I hate. I don't usually hate watch, but I was just curious how much I would hate this. So I did watch the first episode of The Idol, and oh no, it is oh. it is as it's worse than oh my god. oh my. I can't believe I listen. Not every HBO is great, but not every show is a hit. So it is what it is. But it's it is hilarious to say we went from Barry and Succession to The Idol. The Idol is one of the worst hours of television I've seen in a very long time. It's uh, it's essentially like if and I don't like Sam Levinson. I think he's probably he's, the, a douchebag. he's probably the worst. <laughs> I I like Euphoria, but mostly just scenes in Zendaya Cook and Sydney Sweeney Cook. Mm-hmm. But like very much, he is the worst of the Nepple babies. He is fucking awful he has no talent whatsoever i i can't stand him but the idol just take like poor lily rose depp i think she's actually good and <sighs> yeah she, she i think I, she's I saw, good but yeah he, the show the weekend is terrible him and his fucking awful ponytail that just aggravates the fuck out of me it's it's <laughs> it's an obnoxious show i i'm uh i believe i read an article yesterday that more than likely it's not coming back and you Thanks can tell because the uh the usually for hbo like the last of us succession barry the ratings go up every week this says in two weeks this, it's already dro- yeah, dropping yeah. uh from the first and uh second week but on a good side of things we got the series for series finales of succession and barry and uh let's not spoil too much uh yeah for barry jack are you happy i'm yeah through the moon really really divisive though i will say surprisingly and I was, it 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 was surprisingly just divisive but i mean i just i loved it i think it ended pretty much everything great and still kind of had the usual bill Hader special of making like some of some really really dark moments on paper just make them funny by just having some random like absurdist tiny little thing happen on the side and it's just like all right <laughs> uh and just i mean his minimalist style overall i mean there's one moment i think one of the most pivotal moments was just like shot so like fascinatingly and i i've mentioned this before but this season just being like haters canvas to just yeah. like do whatever he wants and have one through story and style i think just really has laid the groundwork for what's yet to come and i'll tell you now i'm gonna be their opening night for whatever he is coming up next with a movie i think Me the too. i think the oscars an oscars in his future i hope yes. he I, is no, an incredible I, director will have paid off yeah <laughs> um mm. succession i now i agree with you on barry i 
love the meta-ness of the final five minutes of the series. And I just right. love, without getting into spoilers, I love how, for anyone that knows what the premise of the show is, this isn't really a spoiler, I love how Barry in the end, after everything, is looked as as the martyr and hero of the story. With, yeah. with the whole the the whole finale of the final five minutes uh succession so all right so i i i love the episode i think it's a top 10 finale i'm sorry i don't know if you i don't think you feel this way jack at least i'm not sure it's not the greatest finale of all time people need to chill the fuck I'm out with that too i i i second it, that. May, it might be my favorite just in like because i don't think uh, just the way that it left me after like it's straight up like i felt like kendall in that last scene like i was just like staring out just like that's like that's it like we're done and <laughs> so it like it landed for me but i mean people always overblow stuff but i i do think it's not the i wouldn't say it's the best episode of the season even so i don't think it's like the perfect episode that everybody thinks but i mean still knocked it out of the park they stuck the landing absolutely the emmys are are over (laughs) yeah i i will say it's not even the best series finale that's going to be nominated in drama because i think better call saul is a better finale than than succession was okay uh it's a a conversation to have but everything from the arrest to the courtroom to the final shot of saul i don't i think that absolutely demolishes the succession. Yeah, I I agree. Like Saul is in my top five finales. That's how okay. much I love it. it. Uh, and then do my you favorite... have it, do you have it higher than uh, Breaking Bad? Yeah, or I do. do you still think I do. it's higher. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, I, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think I might. Because I think Breaking Bad for me, it, it's Ozymandias. Like that's yeah, 100%. like hundred percent my peak oh, like TV episode ever. And like Thalina is still great, but I do yeah. think Saul gone. I think it's probably higher on my favorite Saul episodes than Felina. Yeah, might be, like, I'm I'm with that. you. Like, Ozymandias is my favorite episode of that entire show. Um, yeah. It's probably my number two or three favorite episode of all time in the drama. Uh, number one is uh, probably White, White... Long-term parking? White Caps and The Sopranos. Uh, and that's my favorite finale. Sopranos is my number one. Okay. Yeah. It's it it does I I do find it funny because obviously with Succession ending everyone was talking about like greatest of all time and how many people now love the Sopranos finale and I felt like I was an mm-hmm. island on my own for so long defending it and I'm like no it actually follows like very much of what the show is about uh yeah. but yeah and oh and uh last show before I get into my movie Secret Invasion uh saw the first two episodes uh very Sorry. much a very much a grounded Marvel show uh a lot of practical effects more of a spy thriller you you get rid of all the the cgi on this show obviously the transformation to the scrolls happens but it's not a giant mm. part of the show uh very interested i would see what happened i don't know if i mentioned this um i saw twin peaks in theaters twin peaks fire walk yeah, oh, nice. yeah, yeah i hunter i felt reborn <laughs> Like, good watching David see you just floating out of your chair during that final yeah. sequence Jack like obviously you know how much I love Lynch and how much I love this movie and just Twin Peaks yeah. as a whole but like watching David Lynch on a giant movie screen is like it's very fucking cliche of me to say but it's fucking hypnotic I was just like yeah. so engrossed yeah. by everything 
in that movie, especially it's very interesting, like how you watch a David Lynch movie with a, like a whole bunch of Lynch fans. They right. clap with his name popped out and silent for the majority of the movie until James comes out. And then when that end of that movie happens for the and you know, I don't want to spoil it if, if Hunter or Hugh ever want to watch it, but like the end of it is I know very, the ending. Oh, you do? Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so when that ending happens and the score's playing, it's just like, everyone's just like, I kind of started looking around, everyone's like hypnotized looking at the screen. Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. God. And it was on 30, 35 millimeters, so I'm like, oh, that's just the way it's supposed to be. Um, let me see. Oh, Spider-Verse. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Spider-Verse I'm was a movie. I'm Mulholland Drive next week, so I'll be doing that. Oh, another perfect and- movie. I don't remember the other one. Was. Oh, Wild at Heart, because I have not seen that one yet. Very Which, curious to you. Very curious to you. Ended, ended my trivia career, so I'm like, well, I got to watch it now. Um, I, I think you'll question. be okay with it. Uh, I like it. I know it. what it is. Like, yeah. I, I got no problem. Uh, and then Mulholland Drive is perfect. I'm trying to get Jack to watch it. That is on my that is on my big watch list. I'm, wow. That's one, that's one that I'm actually sitting on my uh, my, my, my splurge and just buy the Blu-ray for that immediately. Uh, is it does it have any other pressings or is it just criterion just criterion okay okay uh spider versus the movie you saw that you didn't mention oh yeah yeah i liked it it was a good movie i liked it quite a bit it's it's Mm -hmm. me numero uno of the year after past lives lives that's true i I just i forgot to log past lives i really liked that movie as well i saw it on wednesday i really liked it it's 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 great destroyed me it's my number three of the year beside beside behind zone of interest and asteroids so like you know good company i'm very happy with it yeah, it'll probably be it. my top 10 by the end of the year so great um yeah mm-hmm. i think it'll be in my top two or three they'll maybe top five of the year uh, asteroid city after being very disappointed in french dispatch and it's my second to worst <laughs> second never... to last uh Whoa. wes anderson movie uh What's at the bottom bottle rocket no uh the Dijarling. Dijarling. I haven't seen that one yet for some reason as well. Oh. So, yeah, I went. Because I, I w- heard it's not good. I mean, I heard it's okay. It's, I, it's I, still fine. Want, I still want to watch it. I went through pretty much everything and changed my rankings a little bit. Moonrise is now my number two. Fantastic Fox went down one. Oh. And then Budapest is my one. And But yeah, I'm with Hunter. Okay. Asteroid City rocks. Asteroid City is so good. <laughs> uh, it's exactly what he said. It's. A very different but still similar Wes Anderson movie. Uh, you'll see what I mean with like the opening five minutes. You're just like, huh? Well, literally, we? the opening five seconds. You're yeah. Like, wait, 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 wait. We we're like, what is going <laughs> on here? I I was very commending the trailers for only giving you one layer of this movie, which is great. I agree. Oh boy. Um, oh, yeah. Caught up on some Billy Wilder. I was missing the front page of Foreign Ooh. Affair and One Two Three. All. Excellent, as expected. From is it all those like those like later Billy Wilders kind of thing. Uh, some are early. The latest one that I oh, saw okay. was Irma Ladouche, which is oh uh, yeah, uh, the follow up to the apartment with uh, Jack Lemmon mm-hmm. and um, and Shirley. Shirley. Uh, it's yeah. solid. Obviously, it's not the apartment. Okay. Uh, let me see what else. All right, I saw Reds. Uh, <laughs> All right, you're, you you tee me up with French Dispatch. Lay on the slander. Let's go right now. So Sorry. Reds, uh, shout out to our buddy and, and uh, frequent contributor to the show, JC. Um, he was shocked as well. Look, look, he likes you it. You probably he let likes people it. know who this is because obviously nobody knows this movie. This is well. So this movie is Reds directed by Warren Beatty, which won him his lone Oscar, right? Yeah, his lone best director. Or his uh, lone Oscar in general, yeah. I guess. So... 
I went into this. The premise sounded interesting. The basically what we have Hugh is that I picked the movie for Hunter, and Hunter picked the mm. movie for me. And Red was the movie he picked for me. Uh, the only criteria on our choices was his had to be over three hours. And well, no, oh, no, we, it was a, it was a two movie trade. I watched Suspiria and The Shining, and you watch Reds. And I have a ticket for The Shining in October in theaters, so I'm still holding up. It's just it's a long trade. I'll give you that. And I I got the Criterion Channel to watch Reds. Yeah, it is. They just put it on there. I'm gonna rewatch it soon anyway. It is cinematic melatonin at its finest. I was so bored. It was so, so... The movie crosses over decades upon decades, and I felt like I was watching it for decades. I felt hard... How, how, how long is this movie? You should tell me. It's, it's, it's like 195 uh, minutes. 195 minutes. Oh, jeez, I'm good. I, felt it's like ev- I love this movie. I felt every second of it. It was, and I don't even I think it's in, a bad movie. I just think it's extremely boring. Uh, Jack, you're gonna ask. I, I was I was in half price books today and just like browsing the movies, and I saw it on the shelf, and I was really considering it, but I was like, not today. Send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you I, 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 I do want to watch that because I feel I, I don't, what, what what rating did you give it, Dave? I think I went two two and a half. Two okay. I, oh, I think no. I think I think two and a half stars or two and a half out of ten. Uh no, two and a half stars. Two and a half. Two and a, okay. Yeah, right, I, right, I think Nicholson right. might might get me more point get get Nicholson's more points. So good, and... he's so good in that movie. He has a great because mustache. That, that, that's about that, it. That's what me. he en- that's <laughs> when he enters his bit play. Two stars, just, just check. Like, two stars. Fifth build. Okay. You got that. You got Vittorio, Vittorio Storaro is doing the cinematography. It looks amazing. It's epic in scope. It's this historical. It's a movie about communists released in the eighties. How does that work in America? And yet, it's so damn good <laughs> and at the same time i have no uh, i'm not surprised didn't like it so that's why <laughs> we, had to, we had to do the trade because i knew there's no way there has to be some constraints to watch. like same with terrifier if you want me to watch that we got to make a trade because i'm not going to just pick it out of the pile and be like i'm gonna watch terrifier there needs to be some constraints around legally having to watch this movie no yeah, yeah. So. I, I mean i'm glad i watched it it's just i will never yeah. i mean if i'm having a hard time going to sleep i could just throw on criterion channel and just throw it on Let's see Memoria, what happens. Just do Memoria. Memoria Just face do Memoria. Is gone. Yeah. Now we no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even insult Reds to compare it to Memoria. Memoria is a, <laughs> an animal upon itself. Um, Jack, do me a favor, real quick, while we're talking. What was nominated for best picture that year with Reds? Oh, oh I know. I know. Um, oh, well, Chariots of Fire won. Chariots of Fire wins. Um, yeah. Which where is, do you? Uh, where I was gonna say, where you stand on that day? That movie sucks. <laughs> Oh, no, I was gonna say I, I Reds or Chariots of Fire because that's second place right there. So, not, oh, Chariot of Fire. I'd, a, I'd rather watch Chariot of Fire again. <laughs> okay, no... but we know, we know what the obvious winner. I know what your winner is. Raiders of the just... Lost Ark and no offense to Beatty, it's, it's Spielberg should have won director. It's like I, not even not even I close. I, I won't complain because it is Spielberg. But Beatty's the only Best Director winner of that decade to not be the winner of Best Picture as well. So I like that. <laughs> oh, that's which what is, I'm happy wait. about. Yeah, he's oh, right. Man, he's right. To, wait. No, Driving Miss Daisy is the other Stone. one. Oh, yeah, yeah, Oliver yeah, Stone. Yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. I was thinking two, about it. I was like, bad. Driving Miss Daisy, one director? I was like, no, that's going to the bottom of this picture. Too. My, my bad, it wasn't nominated. That's but my yeah, bad. Uh, to finish up on these, so uh, Saw Saturday Night Fever and Staying Alive. Uh, hmm. Mary Tyler Moore documentary for anyone that was a fan. Uh, beautiful documentary. I highly recommend it. Saw Magic Mike Last Dance because I did not want to go to my press screening for that, and it's terrible. Um <laughs> I, I saw the former number one movie on Letterboxd, Come and See. <laughs> I forgot about movie. this. Uh, no. 
Uh, <laughs> I went. I, why? Why did I come back to this podcast? Honestly? I should have <laughs> stayed in can respected uh, more. In in my corny punny way, I, I my letterbox said number one film on letterbox, huh? Welp, I've come and seen that this film is not better than either Godfather and its placements on the greatest film of all time, according to the box. Gets giant LOLs. For you, me. you you gotta see you gotta see that other movie that's really high up. Like I think it's I can't remember the like name. Brazilian it's like a dog a dog's life or something like that. Or, oh, yeah. Oh, like, a dog's journey or. or it's like it's well, like auto much. auto competency or something like that. But it's like number five, and it's the only movie that like like I, I've movie. like remotely heard of like a lot of stuff. But I saw that and I was like, what the hell yeah. is this? I mean, I'll give it. Come and see is number one is weird on that list. I'm like, really. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's a great movie. I love it. It's in my top fifty of all time. So oh. you know, I just it's kind of weird to be number one on Letterbox. Well, I still went now three stars. Spider-Man I wasn't is, so. I wasn't bored by any stretch of the that one. I was not bored. I was like miserable well, by the end of movie, it. That but, movie's punching you too much. You can't be bored. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> like I, I I was talking to Jack off the line about this. Like that's a movie I'd actually want to give another shot to. Maybe it'll go. I think that has potential to go up. Now that come the and see. I'll watch that come and see, yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't want to watch Come and See again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. Depress, I was like, it's a great movie, but I was like, I don't want to like depress myself again. Like, yeah. if I want to, like, there are less depressing movies that I'll see, yeah. but this is just like brutal. Uh, this one's for Hunter. I saw Yakuza. Uh... Oh, you don't know this movie. <laughs> Cindy, oh, Cindy Pollack Bye. directed it with Robert Mitchum. Oh, I've never heard of. This. Oh, Sorry, I thought. No. Oh, yeah, I thought you. That no, does I, sound like Hunter Bates. Just yeah, two names yeah, yeah. Right there. Um, <laughs> it does. Like I'm like okay, you know, all right. Yeah, it's <laughs> solid, and it's only, it's only 112 minutes, so not too bad. Ah. It's not, good enough. it's not good enough. Um, saw the Indiana Jones. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in theaters for the first time, and yeah, that movie is just magic. It's perfect. It's so one of mad. the best movies ever made. That had to, that had to play when I was on vacation. Like the closest yeah. theater to me where I was staying, that played it was like an hour and away. And I was like, if there's a rainy night, I might make the drive. But yeah. um, alas, s- it'll be back. I did see the Flash. I did like it. It's all good. Michael Keaton. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I was I was a happy boy. Um, sure. sucks that stuff was spoiled for Jack, but it's okay. Um, so I mean, it's not a big spoiler, but it's still a dick move, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I saw it, it, it only stung because Dave knew the covers. We were literally talking about this like the like that day. It was that day. It was prior. Prior. It was literally that okay. day. Well, that, that's an extra. Like, like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And I and yeah. I was okay. I was hiding it and la- and smiling. I'm like, oh, Jack's gonna be mm-hmm. so happy. And then, nope, absolutely not. Yep. Um. Then I saw the Arnold documentary, which was really oh, solid yeah. stuff. Uh. Then I went on to watching some Arnold movies. Saw Total Recall, uh, one of my favorite Verhoeven movies, and. His most underrated movie, Last Action Hero. Absolutely. Yeah. Adore Last Action Hero. <laughs> then I see Tribeca. Speaking of movies that are never going to see the light of day. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so the Rock Hutton documentary. I'm only going to highlight like two or three because there's a lot that I've seen. The Rock Hutton documentary is very good. Um, the adults with. Uh, Giamatti. No, seeing that, uh, or is that something else? Michael, Sarah, Hannah, Gross, and Sophia Lillis, really solid uh, family drama, and also about poker. So you know, I'm sold on that. <laughs> um, Leroy, really solid. It's about a man who ch- discovers his wife is cheating on him and decides to kill himself. But before he does get to pull the trigger, someone pulls up and gives him money, thinking that he's a hitman. 
it's actually a really what? solid. Yeah, it's really solid. Dude, like, interesting concept. All right. Yeah, it's really solid stuff. Uh, and then Col- isn't that the Michael Shannon directed movie too? No, I ended up not seeing that. That that one's about a school. Oh. Sh- that's Eric Larue. <laughs> okay, okay. No, not a clue. Very same, very same titles. Okay. Um, that I saw Cold Copy, which is pretty solid. It's about the the cutthroat nature of journalism. Uh, really solid stuff. Uh, the line didn't really like it too much. And then to finish up, I saw all the Superman movies, all the Batman movies going into uh, today. Uh, Which one are you watching right now? Because you got to be watching The TV's going crazy. I'm yeah. actually watching. <laughs> no, I'm watching WWE SmackDown at the moment <laughs> in the background. <laughs> right. Friday. Um, okay. But yeah, okay. Batman, I still adore it. Uh, oh, and I saw Indiana Jones. What the fuck am I talking about? Uh, so Dial of the De- Dial of Destiny. Here, here's where I'm gonna see. I think Hunter is gonna appreciate every aspect of like the fact that it's it does feel like a traditional indie movie, but no doubt about it, it doesn't feel what Crystal like. And I don't hate Crystal Skull. I think it's just it's not an Indiana Jones style movie per se. Um, there's a twist. There's not a twist, but there's an event that happens near the end that's going to either make or break it for you. It's probably worse than the Aliens. But it's still on brand with the – you have, like, the weird shit that happens at the end of all these movies. Um, Hunter's going yeah. to despise it. I, I, I want to be in the theater with him. His eyes are going to roll to the back of his head. It's going <laughs> to – like, I, if you – because mine did. I did like how they came full circle with it. But when it happened, I'm like, oh, no, they're going to do this. Oh. Um, right. Overall, I liked it. The last – Five minutes, just like put a smile on my face. It's pretty much it. Okay. And well, ends on a nice I, note. I, yeah. I see it the day after Mission Impossible, so it'll be a very action yeah. adventure heavy two days. So oh, that I'm, should be. I'm looking yeah, forward I'm, to it. I'm looking. Yeah, forward to it. I'm. I'm very excited for it as well and stuff. Well, just I. I know I'll probably be emotional as fuck because it's well, obviously it's Harrison Ford's last time as the character, so it's like whichever where whatever way it goes, I'm still gonna feel emotional about it. So it's like oh. It's and the C, the CG, uh, the de aging. It's about thirty minutes at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and it's actually really well done. Like they, they so, probably got the dude who did Luke Skywalker CGI in the the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, because like how amazing it was in that one. That's probably that's probably second place now. The de aging on this is actually really good. Uh, the yeah. only thing that sucks is we know how indie sounds at that age. That's the only thing that's a little bit. You can't you can't work it's around expected. that unfortunately. I heard it was because like Lucasfilm had like hundreds of hours of Harrison Ford, so they were able to computerize that and make it perfect. Doesn't sound like great. it, unfortunately. Well, they make it look perfect. Sound perfect? Well, you can yeah. only do so much. We still um, haven't gotten that technology there. And then uh last summit that I saw today, I saw kicking and screaming for the first time, the Noah Bombback film. Uh oh, good I'm, old Noah. Yeah, I'm glad he did did better with himself. Uh, it's it's okay. Uh, draft day, which for sports fan, two and a half hunter, two and a half on draft day. Look, what if, if this was the Vikings? This would be a five star movie. <laughs> the whole Jennifer Garner thing about Kevin Costner being in love with a woman like thirty years younger. Room, I'm like, come on, guys, just skip this. That's shit. fine. Oh, I agree. That stuff is terrible, but. They, two, two and a half. And it's also it, it's a good like when it was NFL draft like a month ago. I was like. 
you know, I might rewatch that movie because it is at least watchable. I'll give it that. I don't think it's a good movie, but I will watch it again. No oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm at three and a half just because of the t- deal he put in, uh, the trade that he put on at the end. That is, I was, I was, I'll give it, I might bump up three just because I was investing in the movie. I was like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, trade with yeah same team. here. He's terrible. And then he, and then he pulls the rug and like, ooh, all right. Jack, Too bad the, the fir- Cleveland Browns still suck. The so. first time I watched this movie, like, and Hunter could probably attest to it, like m- me being such a giant sports fan, I I was like on the edge of my seat of like these trades that were being made, how idiotic they were. And then like the he worst said. worst trades I've ever seen in my life. It's and so, then it comes full circle. It's fantastic. And then the last thing, I saw this random Ivan Reitman movie on Netflix called Legal Eagles. Oh, Robert Redford. Robert Redford, Deborah Winger, Daryl Hannah, okay. Brian Dennehy, Terrence Stamp. Movie's fucking terrible. It's, it's, I haven't heard a good thing about it terrible. in my life, or no uh, one talk about it either. And it only took us an hour and fifteen minutes to get here, but let's let's get to it. Uh, it's like a. I feel like we're recording rides right now, but I promise we'll be. Uh, able, we'll be... I mean, if we add the whole Superman movie on top of it, we will get to reds. <laughs> um, we can. All right, so let's get to it. Uh, Superman 1978, the movie turns 45 years old this year. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite comic book films of all time, to be honest with you. Mm. I'm, I'm leaving Hunter last because we have no idea what he thinks. As he saw it for the first time yesterday. So no, this morning. I delayed Oh, this it. morning. Okay, Literally, great. If not even 12 hours ago, I finished it. So I'll leave him for last. Jack, kick it off. All right. Well, this was one of the first or well, this was one of the earliest superhero movies that I remember having a strong love for. Certainly wasn't the first of its type. I mean, there was obviously the 1966 Batman with Adam West that mm. I love for my own individual reasons. But this was definitely the first one that came about with some legitimate meat to it. Um, I had known about it, but I didn't actually didn't see it till I was about 14 or so. Um and I mean, it still just like makes me happy all these years later. Uh, honestly, I really am not a fan of this kind of cliche description when it comes to like reviews. But Christopher Reeve is Superman. <laughs> like he, I, I think I'm gonna talk more about this later. But I think they just did such a good, they made such a good call about not casting a known actor because we'll talk kind of about casting what ifs later on, but Mm. just going into this with like a fresh face, um, just really made the character for me. And it's one of my, if not, maybe my favorite portrayal of a, of a superhero. Uh, and I especially, especially is helped by the fact that I think he just nails that, difference between superman and clark kent so well just the the switch the switching between his like that one little moment he has in lois's apartment where he just like takes off his glasses as if he was about to say and you just see that instant like persona change and then just goes back to it i think yeah that uh, was such a great transition too and stuff and the voice change as well as like you could tell Mm -hmm. it's like okay he's got this very he's got this very passionate voice when he's about to like express the truth and all that and then it suddenly goes back to like a little pipsqueak voice in Mm -hmm. the next moment and all that but that instant switch i can't imagine how difficult that must have been like to do like initially and stuff it's like how do you it's like okay how do i make sure that i sound completely different just one moment and stuff yeah uh but i got some nitpicks about it but like those will come later on but i mean through and through i think this is just like 
the gold standard, really, and I think it really laid the framework for many of the best superhero movies to come, and one that I think will always be referenced and always be paid attention to, and still hard to find uh, a more definitive performance of Superman, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, obviously we're going to get more into the depths of it in the movie, but in terms of first viewing and just overall thoughts, like I'm 100% agree with you, Jack. This is one of the best ever for me. Uh, Christopher Reeve, I think, is the hero-wise, while Michael Keaton is just my favorite performance, just because I just love that character as a whole, like you nailed it on Reeves. I think he captures the essence and like I wrote on my letterbox post, like it's good to see writers, directors, and actors actually understand what makes Superman Superman and the duality of the character. Like I, I'm not gonna. This isn't a throw shade on the Snyderverse, but Henry Cavill, like his portrayal, I don't think there's a duality there at all. No, there is not. And that's the that's the biggest the biggest issue I have is I don't think Snyder understands Superman the character and. Just the, just the, just understanding the smallest thing of just understanding a character makes that this movie and just Christopher Reeve just is unbelievable for me in this movie. Uh, I first saw the movie in the early '90s VHS uh, on not a video store, a recorded uh, from Channel Eleven with the commercials and everything. So that's the first time I saw Superman. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I've loved it ever since. It's not like you just said, Jack. It's not fully a five star movie for you, for me. There's couple of issues that we'll talk about a little later but yeah i absolutely adore this movie uh since hunter's going last on this hugh what are your first initial thoughts on the movie uh so of course i first watched i can't remember how old i was when i first watched it but i do remember watching it a couple of times uh back then stuff uh i will admit superman's never really been my favorite favorite character i've i've always had a lot of criticisms of him over the years and stuff but i will admit that when it came to the Christopher Reeve portrayal of Superman, that was always my favorite one over the years and stuff. It's just like for me, no one has really ever topped uh, that version of him. And I guess, well, it's been several years since I've rewatched it. So, of course, I rewatched it last night and then finished it a bit this morning. Uh, looking back on it, I will say that for the time, for its time, for what the kind of comics that they were, of course, working with, and literally even in the opening, they show a Superman comic and all that from the action comics, which uh, I remember having a couple of those. It's like it was perfect. It was like the perfect adaptation of those stories at the time. It like had all the elements of a various uh, comic book thing, even like all these different threads and like just the whole the way that it shot everything that the way that it's acted and of course you have a lot of these different actors and stuff who are probably going like what the hell are we doing but they give it their heart no matter what especially i totally forgot that marlon brando was in this mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was uh, that was a big surprise and i definitely want to go oh yeah well definitely a little bit later definitely will because because that brings in a tangent of like how they're like oh yeah you have these supremely talented actors uh in a way he kind of paved the way for where like oh you have supremely talented actors known for other works that land in comic book movies and bring such a presence uh but more on that later but yeah it was now i have issues with it too like there are things that are going like oh god that didn't age as well as i thought it would 
and especially some criticisms on certain performances. But obviously, I can say nothing about uh, Christopher Reeve. I mean, he's perfect to me. And again, much like uh, Jack said about the duality, he just nails that perfectly. Like, I, as I, I totally forgot, of course, of how well he was able to do it. Like, just from the very first thing, it's like he's just such a klutz, but he's a lovable klutz. He's not an idiot. Like, that's the thing. Because that's the thing you can sometimes worry about is like, okay, he's going to be playing the part. He's playing the part of where he wants to make sure that he's totally a different person in the eyes of someone else. But at the same time, he's not a moron. He's not like intentionally acting like an idiot and stuff. Like he's like, he's smart enough, but just a, a, a klutz and all that, just so that way no one could suspect what he really is. And For I sure. really like that. I really like those layers to it. And then of course there are certain things that of course they adapted from comics that I actually like more than some modern adaptations, which again, we'll get more into later on. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and, and also it still has one of my favorite, um, uh, superhero themes in. Oh history. yeah. Hold that thought. There's a section for that. We'll definitely get into. Yeah. All right, Hunter. Oh boy. Uh, wait, wait, before you start, we, we talked, we spoke about this off the line. I, f- I, I, I think you would. You're gonna respect Reeves, but I think the ending is where you completely checked out. I'll say this. Oh no! I really like this movie. Oh yes! <laughs> Let's go! I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was a great movie or anything, but I really liked it. Oh, I did okay. say that. That's a win. That's, That's a, a win. win. That's a win. I, I said if we could get a three star on the Hunter scale, That's that class. I'm like three and a half, almost four stars. Oh, on it. That, like I wow. really liked it. Oh, this Beautiful. is good. so so Hugh. Trust me, getting four stars from Hunter, it's like getting an invite That's to a... the White House. It's it's very rare. <laughs> doesn't it's happen true. often. So we we it's very true. happy when this happens. Yeah. All right. No, okay. I, it's 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 like the movies of the seventies and sixties where you see. Now, obviously, I like long movies. When I see the runtime is like two hours and twenty eight minutes, I was like, that was okay. yeah, that was our first okay. Thing. Okay, I was just like, look, I like long movies, but I don't know. And then I was like, no, this was that era where if a movie's good and it's well made, that time just goes right by. And this was one of those movies where I was watching it, and for some reason I was watching on my TV, and for some reason the I try not to ever look at the clock. I think the the mouse must have moved on my computer, so the 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 runtime came. I like an hour and fifty minutes had gone by. I was like, holy shit, we're two hours in this movie. I didn't notice it so that was great i think it's well made christopher reeve is amazing as superman john williams score obviously i won't go into it but like the opening credits are a little bit of a all right now we can chill out but when that music is playing i'm Mm -hmm. like okay i'm okay with this (laughs) i love that everyone gets a super credit basically where they're like you're gonna this god damn it we're gonna animate the hell out of their name it's fun yeah but, and and yeah. provide some very nice space visuals as well that too and yet and i i hadn't done a ton of research on the movie i did not know how star-studded this movie was top to bottom and cast right through i was like holy shit they got everybody for this so so we're off we're off to, we're, we're off to a hot start jack i'm very happy right now let's go yeah, um, don't right. worry let's get into the yeah, thing, yes is a little bit of a all right now but it wasn't a derailer. I was like, yeah, it's fine. Awesome. All right, so let me get into the production of the movie. So Superman was directed by Dick Donner, who Jack coined the other day as pretty much a chameleon of some of the movies that he was directing during this time. Jack, do you want to run through some of them? Uh, his biggest claim to fame, I would say, are The Omen, uh, 
Superman, along with his director's cut of Superman 2, which we'll talk yeah. a little bit about later, uh, the Lethal Weapon movies and the Goonies. So It's, it's pretty I, wild. I, mean, I, I, I think right Even, there, yeah, I mean, he definitely doesn't have the, the same, like, claim to fame, but, like, he is essentially just, like, kind of doing what Steven Spielberg did and just, like, exploring all these different blockbuster avenues, types yeah. and managing to just make them work by just mm. understanding how to like do scenes really well which i think is the big kind of thing with a lot of those movies is he just really understands kind of like the sense of like wonder i think and wonder. just like yeah. awe-inspiring moments and such and, and to add on top of that with the exception of the omen a lot of charm like that's the right. thing is that yeah. all, all, all like when you think superman goonies and even the, to some extent the lethal weapons there's charm to them in some form or way and that's something that donner was just so good at nailing down stuff is like he knows how to get you attached to all of these characters involved and stuff just like giving whether it be through humor or just being like the kindest person in the world and all that like there's just like there's some an instant attraction that he does with all the people like any like whether it be the heroes or just the leads of the movies and stuff is that he he knows how to like okay i like you like even if the rest of the movie is good if your characters are not investing then what's the point of even uh going through but he always makes investing people with all of his works and yeah. so that's something that really attracts me to everything he does for sure and then the film was written by david and leslie newman robert benton and an unnamed writer, unknown writer at the time named Mario Puzo, who wrote two small 70s forgotten films, The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. Oh. Two little films yeah. that. So the Oscar superhero pipeline was always in effect, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. Robert Benton was going to win for uh, oh, Kramer the... versus Kramer. The yeah, I, I also. I saw that. I was like, Robert Benton? Because he wrote Bonnie and Clyde and then comes out with Kramer versus Kramer and he won like, which, another Oscar later. I was like, God damn. Oh, which surprised everybody. you more, Bet, Bet, Benton or Puzo on this? Oh, Puz, Puzo. Puzo. I literally, I, I, literally also, almost, only... I almost paused the movie. I was like, wait. <laughs> no. I think not only did he get a screenplay credit, but I think he also got like the story credit. Story, too. Yeah. So yeah. It, it came up twice. So I was and like, it, okay, well. I and I got to double check, but I think he got loan screenplay credit on part two as well. Which is, I do. I think I do remember seeing his name in the credits. I was there. like, I was like, okay. I, and that's when I was like, I mean, obviously, I was interested to see the movie once him and Benton came up. I was like, all right, then let's let's get into it for sure. Mm. All right, so the movie was originally conceived in 1973 by Ilya Salkind Sal- on uh, November 74 after a process with DC Comics. Superman film rights were purchased by. Uh, Ilya and his father Alexander and their partner Pierre Spengler the filmmakers felt it would be best to film Superman and Superman 2 back to back and to make a negative pickup deal with Warner Brothers. William Goldman was approached to write the screenplay originally while Lee Brackett, not Lee Brackett from Halloween and Haddonfield, Illinois uh, was considered uh, Ilya hired Alfred Bester to originally write the screenplay Alexander felt however that Bester was not famous enough so he hired Mario Puzo uh, to write the screenplay at a which I I think this is a lot for the time six hundred thousand dollars to write the screenplay yeah, for that's, that's it, millions that for a writer that's a lot. Um, originally, Francis Ford Coppola was approached to direct. The <laughs> I movie. mean, naturally makes sense. Also, William Friedkin 
Uh, Richard yeah. Lester, who I would mean, be brought in to replace Donner on Superman no. 2 and direct as Superman 3. Uh, they were all in negotiations to direct, but obviously went uh, to Donner. The interesting was George Lucas turned on the offer to direct oh, Superman thank God. Uh, because he <laughs> was committed to Star Wars. That's Spielberg at all? Because I don't know uh, if Jaws yes. came out already. So no. that's actually what was my next one. It's just one of those... I was thinking he's, 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 always, he's always going to be on the idea board for potential Literally. directors so this, around the time. So because yeah. of when the project the process started in '73, a little shark movie had not arrived yet. So yeah. they I was figuring. So Ilya wanted Spielberg to direct, but Alexander was originally skeptical, feeling feeling it was quote wait until Spielberg's fish movie opens. Jaws was very successful. Producers offered Spielberg the position, but Spielberg had already committed to close encounters of the third kind. Okay. I was saying, because like, the, the Omen didn't come out until 76, and that's after Jaws, so, and Donner didn't have a movie before that, so I was like, they weren't going off much for Donner then at that point, um, yeah. compared to Coppola and uh, yeah. Little Freakin or something like that, you know? It's like, oh, okay. So, in terms, we're talking about Marlon Brando, um... I, mean, I just feel like the superhero version of the Godfather, Jack. So yeah, what if they got Brooklyn? <laughs> You'd have Brando, yeah. Puzo, and uh, and Coppola. That would be crazy. And, and not Absolutely. to mention, and then you get another chronicle of the Coppola Brando stories because there's already a ton of like oh, onset man. lore between them with like Apocalypse Now and like how reportedly like True. difficult he was to work with. And there were multiple stories uh, regarding this movie and. Marlon, some of Marlon Brando's creative ideas, we might say. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, were... yep, yep. I'm about to get to those. <laughs> yeah. It's very, wow. it's very Marlon Brando-ish, to be honest oh, with yeah. you. So Brando was signed with a salary of three point seven million dollars for a week's work, and eleven desperate eleven point seven five percent of the box office gross totaling 19 million dollars at the end of the box office run uh the interesting thing about this is listen at the end of the day it worked because it got more eyes on the movie and at that time these movies were not being made so i think this was the right move and batman you gotta you gotta you you gotta pay for that stuff and i'm I'm sure that like that probably helped also like get funding because when you said like negative pickup i'm pretty sure that means that like studios only like distribute and not like help with like the funding for the budget and all that so Mm -hmm. i'm sure the commitments of brando and hackman probably and i think this worked too because because it's warner brothers warner brothers knew how to play the game when batman came around and that's why they got nicholson Mm -hmm in a similar type of back-end deal. So going to what Jack was saying, in the first meeting with, uh, regarding Jarrell, <sighs> Deep Marlon, character, too, so we really needed a lot. Yeah. Marlon Brando proposed that he appears, quote, as a green suitcase or a bagel. Ooh. With Everything, Mar- everywhere, all at once, prequel. <laughs> with Brando's yeah. voice as a, as, a, as a voiceover instead. But Donner used flattery to persuade... Uh, Brando to actually just play the character as expected. Um, so Brando wanted not even to film it. He just wanted to do voice for $4 million plus. Yeah, yeah. Very Brando. Very yeah. Brando. And Brando actually hoped to use the money to uh, create a 13-part Root-style miniseries on Native Americans in the United States. 
Brando had it was his, it's his big thing. Brando had his contract uh, to complete his scenes in twelve days. So I'm sorry, it was a little bit over a week, but not even not even twelve. Uh, he he refused to memorize his dialogue. Another vintage Brando. <laughs> so cue cards were com- uh, com- uh, compiled and set all over the set. Um, Gene Hackman was cast as Lex Luthor a few days later. I. It's one of my big issues performance wise. I think me, he me too. I think he's good. I think he's extremely miscast, but that's another conversation I, for Yeah. I love Gene Hackman. Um Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I I know you'll you'll probably get into it. I love that he has his hair. I'm I'm imagining <laughs> Gene Hackman was like, fuck that, I'm not shaving my head. But that's pretty much it. I have that for my for my facts at the end, but that's pretty much it. Okay. He just re- he refused that's, to shave. That's my his assumption because he was, you know, a decent looking guy in the prime is career he's like i'm not shaving my head yeah. for a supporting role i'm not doing that so as yeah. much as i love superman i would actually would love to see this so they got donner they gave him a million dollars to do superman one and two but we missed out on him directing the sequel to the, to the omen which i do like mm. damien omen two, but i would just like to see what happened with that there yeah. um do you know who rewrote this there were some rewrites on this towards the end before i film me another probably another oscar-winning probably. family I, I'm, I'm, oh, family? Yeah. Yeah. I, so is I it know. Like, is this like a Houston? It's like John Houston? I, my, my guess would have been Robert Town just because he's like the all time script doctor. Like he, yeah, he wrote the scene of uh, Michael and Vito in the, in the garden in Godfather. So. Tom, Tom Mankiewicz. Oh, oh sure, 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 sure. But WGA <laughs> yep. refused to credit Mankiewicz for his rewrite, so Donner gave him creative oh, results and credit. Mm-hmm. Creative, okay, I remember he did pop up in the. It was like character. after the writing, and I was like, "What a like!" I would expect it to go right into like the yeah. director and producers, but like how the Mankiewicz didn't even tip me off. I thought it was like the guy who like was a special comic guy, not the guy who created the comic. I was like, I don't know, this must have been like their the liaison for the movie. Yeah. yeah, I thought that. I was like, Mankiewicz didn't even like. Like, oh yeah, connect the dots. Now casting yeah. casting Superman itself. <laughs> so initially the studio wanted an A-list actor, which obviously makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. This worked out in the perfect way with casting Reeves as an as a kind of a no name at the time. So all right, here we go. Can, can I before we get into this Yeah, go like, ahead. Before we get into the bad stuff, I we need to give a shout out to the unsung hero of not only this movie but many 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 classics of this era uh casting director lynn stallmaster has one of the most insane resumes that i have ever seen from anybody in film they were the casting director on judgment at nuremberg west side story inherit the wind the great escape in the heat of the night the graduate deliverance Fiddler on the Roof, The Right Stuff, what? Roots, and Tootsie. What an unreal career. Killing it. Yeah. God, yeah. Damn. Like, killing it. That's at least like five Best Picture nominees right there. <laughs> and oh, like yeah. three winners. So, and I want to give a shout out to Dick Donner because it was his idea to go with a no name. Uh, before mm-hmm. he came on board, they pretty much wanted to go with a big name. So the the first one to be offered this role was Robert Redford. I would not the, have gold, the golden boy I of mean, Hollywood. So why would you not? I, I mean, obviously hindsight and Chris Reeve is amazing in this role. Yeah, 
And because yeah. it's gonna, one of those Redford would not be able to do the klutz because he's Redford. I couldn't. Yeah. I could not see Redford as a loser. You know, that would not exactly happen. it. Exactly it. And that yeah. was um, he'd be a the good same Superman, to... but he'd be a he'd be a bad Clark Kent. I do that think was... also. I mean, I'm gonna. I don't even know. 1978. That was after all the presidents. Nah, I mean Christopher Reeve was just more handsome than Robert Redford. Yeah. And I think. Oh, uh, all right, let's not go like that. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Redford. Like, let's not. Take down the man like that, but Hunter, I I do want to say you nailed that take because that's exactly why uh, Robert Redford was uh, turned away from the Graduate because they yeah. simply just decided he was too cool to play Ben Braddock, yeah. and instead it went to Dustin Hoffman. The yeah. and he was offered a large amount. I couldn't find the total amount, but he declined it because he felt Probably. he he felt he was too famous for the role. Uh, yeah. Next up on the list, Burt Reynolds turned down the role. That would have. Not. Oh my God! Post Post Smokey and the Bandit. Wow! I say he's too. He'd be too old. I mean, not, yeah. I don't know how old Christopher Reeve is. I honestly don't know. He's that, only like in his mid twenties, apparently. He, he was, he's, oh, oh wow, he's yeah, looks he was old. Mid twenties. This is well. I I think maybe that's because they probably like made him look like that in the yeah, suit and stuff. He, he, he buffed up. He he had quite the training partner. I'm sure Dave has that in his notes somewhere. Uh, his workout buddy. I should. Burt Reynolds. Uh, the next one I think no. was the closest to actually play because this person <laughs> lobbied hard for it, um, and I think it was it was two years after winning picture. So, but I don't think he was a big name with the general public, but more probably like the cinephile community. Sylvester Stallone lobbied hard to play Clark Kent, but he ultimately turned he was turned down because he was deemed too Italian. On top of that. <laughs> Stallone found out that Marlon Brando, who had casting approval, turned him down for the role, just as he allegedly vetoed Burt Reynolds' casting as Sonny in The Godfather. Responding to the rumor, Brando told Playboy magazine, um, Stallone... Yeah, he's, he confirmed it in Playboy magazine, and Stallone sub- subsequently went on Merv Griffin's talk show and denounced Brando, saying that he had no respect for the superstar as an actor or a man. That surprised many, as oh. early Stallone um, had clearly molded himself after Brando, uh, particularly Brando's characterization in On the Waterfront. Uh, and that pretty much led to this beef between Stallone and Brando over the years, which is pretty wild. And then finally, I couldn't, uh, actually, no, there's some more here. Paul Newman was offered the role. That one. I would have, Oh my God. Paul Newman's like, I know one that that's too old, but the interesting thing was Paul Newman was offered three roles of his choice. It was either, he was offered Superman, Lex Luthor or Jarrell for $4 million. And he turned down all three. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Jarrell, he could do it. He could do it. I was going to say, Jarrell, maybe if it was 88 and he had a bit more age on him, I could see him. Because, I mean, he. I don't know. I, I, the, the, the hair color of Brando is always like the thing that, like, kind of just, like, not really, like, took me out of it, but it was always the thing that I was like, it looks a little weird. Like, everything else, like, the all white was, like, fine. But then, I don't know. Maybe it was just the. The, the known existence of Godfather at the same time, him play, seeing him play another like old person, it's like, oh, but he looks younger, but just like with completely white hair. <laughs> and then some more that lobbied for the role, Neil Diamond, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, was, it was Schwarzenegger's one I was going to guess that he was probably close. Oh, my God. Which would have been stupid. James Kahn. 
That was the one I was waiting for. That was the one name you didn't get to yet. <laughs> and not, not 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 bad. Not bad. And of course, the great Al Pacino. There oh, there's one oh, more oh, oh. you forgot. There's one more. Did I? Sure I don't think it... <laughs> Mr. Clint Eastwood at one point two. Oh no, that would have been terrible. Yeah. That would have been <laughs> terrible. It's like, uh, it's like, come on, punk, make my day. <laughs> ultimately, we ended up, thank God, with uh, with Christopher geez. Reeve, and it, the rest is history. You know, you know, it's funny. This pretty much reminds me of like what's kind of going on now with the casting of Superman Legacy, where there's there. It sounds like they're just going through so many different people. It's just like, oh, who would make it and stuff. But it, it almost looks like they could be kind of casting a nobody kind of like Reeves and stuff because some of the names that have been dropped I mean the only name that of course I know of very well is obviously Nicholas Holt who's been brought up a lot but like uh, the other names that that have been like coming through like the pipeline and all that have relatively been unknowns I like know nothing about them so it's kind of I... like it's kind of like they're go- they're following the path of what uh, like the Reeves Superman, and I kind of like that stuff. That what, what, yeah, that's what that's what I think makes it work so well for me at least, and I know they had that in mind too. I'm sure of when you see this big name actor in the suit, you see the actor, not the character. But like, I know who no. I want. I know who I want from the- it's David Cornsweet. That's like I'm like Cornsweet. I'm sorry, he's in Pearl. And he was also the star. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was also yeah. the star of the Netflix uh, limited series Hollywood, and I thought he was very good in oh, that as well. Okay. Um, when, and I once ooh. once I saw the guy from Pearl was in running, I was like, oh, I wonder who David. Was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, he would be pretty good. I think he has a look for it. I think he. Well, yeah, he's got that. Because I think the Superman should look like Reeves. It should, Superman in the comics rarely, if any time, unless it's drawn by like I don't know if McFarlane ever drew a Superman, but like. You, he doesn't have that Henry Cavill physique. It's more the Christopher Reeve side. So I kind of wanted yeah. them to go back there. Uh, all right. Box office wise, the movie was originally set to release on in June 1978 uh, on the 40th anniversary of Action Comics number one. Uh, mm-hmm. With a budget of $55 million, the movie grossed $300.5 million. Lovely. The, the, most, the most expensive movie ever made at that point to add. Which is yeah, oh, insane. Yeah, the amount of stuff that they had to do. It's like, it, especially, I think most of that, like, not only went into the, uh, I mean, the flying scenes probably were simple to do, but the, I think the, everything regarding the Krypton sequences, I think that's where most of the budget probably went to because, like, compared to, like, just filming on Earth and all that, like, just with all that, but, like, you had to create all the sets. A very detailed sets, I might add, um, especially like making the crystal-like structures because you're making an entire alien world and all that, uh, one that has functioning properties, especially in the opening where they had that big dome open up and all that. And obviously some of it's small models and all that, but then other other ones, it's like they had these big open sets that were like really making you feel and as mentioned before that Donner makes you feel the wonder of this place and feels like the like that this feel this doesn't feel like it's in some kind of back lot or anything like this makes you feel like you're in an entirely different place so I think that's definitely where most of the money probably went to 
Uh, and then the rest, they kind of like, well, some of them, sometimes they did cut a few quarters, obviously. So Brando's three and a half million. I was going to say the rest went into his pockets. <laughs> yeah, the, and then the rest went to Marlon Brando. Yeah, but to be fair, he uh, he really commits to what he does and that. So it's like it's kind of worth it, to be honest. So All right. Uh, trophy Room. This movie was nominated for four Oscars and it won one. And it was an original score. Any, oh, yeah. <clears throat> any, well, Jack, you're probably staring at it because I'm looking at you right now. You're well, staring. I, 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 I knew what it was before okay. I did my notes. Do you yeah. want to, do so you guys, is, 78. This is the year the deer, the deer hunter wins best picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't win, I don't, probably wouldn't have. I'm trying to think, is, it should is have. this year, is this, is this year Fiddler on the Roof? No, that's way 71. Earlier. Okay, well, I was okay. I was way off. Never mind. Um, no, I can't think. We'll be here All too right. long. It's easy, it's easy not, one. It's not the VFX. 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 Oh, 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 wait. Are you? Oh, are you asking me who won score or what? Won it? No, like, what, what, won, what, 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 what? What won? What did Superman so, oh, win? Yeah, it won visual effects. I knew that. Okay, oh, okay. I was trying to. I was trying to get. I didn't think the Deer Hunter won visual effects. I was trying to. <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to guess who won score. That's what I was trying to guess. Um, it also was nominated oh, oh, for editing. Was, um, Go ahead. Shit. I, I can't remember who it was, but I remember it was uh the same composer who did Scarface, like Georgie Mordor. Georgie Mordor, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what movie, but that that was the winner that year. I'll say uh, for the record, I didn't think Fiddler on the Roof would win visual effects. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, that was what I was asking this question shots, for. Was man. for best score. That's what I was trying to think. Um, visual effects. So it was nominated for editing, original scores sound vfx and it wins vfx at bafta it won promising newcomer in a leading film outstanding british contribution to cinema uh the saturn awards have won best picture actress and music uh best music and special effects in 2007 the vfx society listed superman as the 44th most influential use of visual effects of all time Mm -hmm. 2008 empire named it the 174th greatest film of all time in a list of uh, 500 in 2009 entertainment weekly ranked superman as a third on their all-time coolest heroes in pop culture history all right maestro's corner this movie was composed by um a little a little known uh, composer named john williams Mm -hmm. never heard of the guy the interesting (laughs) thing about this movie who's originally set to score it uh, Jerry Goldsmith, who scored The I, Omen, oh my God, I was, knew it. was originally set to compose the film. Portions of Goldsmith's work from Planet of the Apes were actually used in Superman's teaser trailer as well, but he had to drop out of her scheduling conflicts, and then Williams came on board. Um, I think it worked out pretty well. It did, it, although it's funny because it seems like there have been a number of movies over the years that Jerry Goldsmith has had some attachment to, and mm-hmm. yet he he immediately it's either because of scheduling conflicts or something else. It's just like somehow that dude, a very talented composer, by the way, in his own right, but it's just like it always seems like he missed out on some of the biggest things that he could have had interesting contributions to, but. In the end, I think it's hands down that John Williams's work is so iconic. I mean, to the point where it even would be reused uh, today in some place and in various places, including, of course, um, it was featured in the Black Adam post credit scene and stuff when they had uh, Superman come up there and all that. Which that's just disrespectful to his music at that yeah, point. Yeah, well, I agree. No, I, I, I didn't think it. I like honestly, I kind of mm-hmm. I, I liked the way that that theme was used in that moment and all that. Like I know some people really 
I, I don't know why some people seem to really have a hatred for the John Williams theme and all that. I, Wait, who? Oh, yeah. I have to explain this. So uh, ever since uh, the Joss Whedon cut of the Justice League and stuff, because, of course, that also reused uh, the Williams theme in brief parts and stuff, there were there has been like this substantial hatred from the fandom for the Williams uh, track. And I have no idea why. I just think that they kind of associate the song way too close to what Joss Whedon did in the whole Justice League thing. And that basically when it happened again in the Black Adam uh, post credit scene, people were just going on. It's like, why not use the Man of Steel theme again? Because this one's better. I mean, I'll give him that one because it is weird to put put Williams theme over Henry Cavill, which is a much different Superman. I give it that. It's just a bad decision. But the theme is amazing. Like like to the point that this is one of the first singles that I remember that actually was released as a single and it actually hit the US Billboard Hot 100 and it, it should and it peaked at <laughs> it number should, yeah it peaked at number 52 on the Hot 100 it also was number 5 on Adult Contemporary 93 on Country I don't know how it was 93 <laughs> Well, okay. Play, I think play I know, that at the music I festival I where I'm from. People will just yeah, yeah, tilt their heads think, and be I like, "What?" I, know, I think I know how that could be possible, considering that the the beginning it takes place in Smallville and yeah. all that, and you're a country place. So I think that's yeah. the only reason. That's like, oh, it's like I feel represented. <laughs> so I mean, go ahead, Hunter. I mean, it's just it was one of those uh, two things I thought about when I, when the score is playing during the opening credits. Is this man went Jaws? Star Wars, Superman in three years. But then Close I'm like, Encounters too. Close Encounters. Close encounters. Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. Indiana that's Jones. what I was literally thinking. I stopped. I was like, man, those three in three years, that's really good. I was like, oh, they did Close Encounters. Oh, then he did Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, then he did E.T. I was like, oh, it's just his whole career at that point. Yeah. <laughs> he did that. And then he did this. And then I was like, that's what he said. When he dies, I'm going to need to I'm take gonna cry. two days off of work. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, literally, yeah, I yeah. literally needed two days off of work because I'm going to be like, that is just gonna like crush me into. I don't want to think the, about it. That's, yeah. I know, and I also I don't want you to spoil it, Dave. Uh, his last last score was Dial of Destiny. How does that? It's good. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it was it, That doesn't that that doesn't help. It's better than the it's better than the Fableman score. Oh, wait a minute. That <laughs> score is like really good. That's oh, really? really good stuff. Yeah. I think Fableman's is one of his best, like, oh, my. modernish scores. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say 2000s and on for sure. Uh yeah. but like I I think Fableman's score is great. This is good. It, the, the score is okay. very much more I mean, indie. It, it's like I, I, I anticipate it's like a Star Wars, his recent Star Wars scores where it's like it, mm-hmm. it's Star Wars music. Exactly, you know, like it's yeah. it's at a base level it's it's great because it's Star Wars music. So, you know. That if, expect that and that you you'll be happy. Um, okay, yeah. I'll still be happy. Then. It's just it's always the build up for me that just gave me the big case of the chills and stuff is that whenever they they, they like ramp it up any times that like he's about to like get changed into Superman mm-hmm. or of course in the very opening it goes like do 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 yeah yeah and then it builds yeah. up to that it's just like you feel that like you just feel it ramping up and then it goes bombastic as hell and stuff mm-hmm. it's, it's very, like that's such epicness it's very <laughs> interesting i mean not really it, it, with, with the impact both movies have it's very apropos that these movies are always in the conversation when it comes to like a lot but score wise we look at batman 89 and we look at this mm-hmm. movie um yeah I you can I prefer the Batman theme to open the movie 
you can prefer mm-hmm. the Superman theme. I, there's no wrong answer, I think. I think they're both fantastic. Yeah, they're both equally great. I do think, yeah. though, and I think Jack and I spoke about this the other day when we were just talking about the music, I do think as an overall score, Batman 89 is a little better because I think this score peaks at Krypton. Oh, yeah, the Krypton scenes So you, pre- you pretty much have like that iconic opening, Krypton, and then the score's still great, but it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't have memorable tones as opposed to and themes as opposed to like I can mm-hmm. rip off a couple from Batman eighty nine off the top of my head now. So like I think they're both great, but just I mean this this, yeah. this one's a little this yeah. one's a little top heavy, but yeah. like the top this, this, is like top. Yeah, the, yeah. the score collectively like I I wouldn't say that's in like my top five Williams, yeah. but like the no. theme is like top three, three top four, top five, yeah the top theme three, like, yeah pieces like he's ever made in anything ever. So I think it'd yeah. probably be for so Star Wars, Raiders, Jaws. Then this, you think, or do you put this over Jaws for, for, for like individual individual pieces? themes, like theme wise? I, I I think the uh, opening of Star it, Wars it has be, to be one. It, it might be, it might be yeah. two, honestly. Oh, really? Uh, over Raiders? Like the, the the thing the thing with Raiders, honestly, is that like the more I've rewatched Raiders, I have just become more and more enamored with like the other piece. Like the truck chase music is fucking mm. unreal. Which like I still love the indie theme, but like the more I've rewatched it, I've just become such a fan of like all of the other pieces that like, you know, it's kind of like I'm trying like like the bi- like binary sunset for example is another piece where like mm-hmm. I just like heard it so much that like it kind of like it's always one that I'm like oh it's awesome, but like never one that I'd be like oh yeah this is like my go to like Star Wars piece of for like sure, what yeah. I like to listen to. Alrighty, mm-hmm. uh, let's move into what age the best. Um... Hugh, why don't you take it away f- to go first on this one? So, okay, so I think to maybe start off, uh, um, I think what maybe aged the best was definitely the destruction of Krypton, I think, aged the best. Because, mm-hmm. and and this actually kind of goes into something I did want to kind of discuss about, like, how, well, of course, we've had, like, tons of destruction scenes involving planets and worlds and stuff and innocent people dying. But... This is probably like having rewatched it. I forgot how much they showed the bodies of right. people dying and stuff. And because nowadays, when you see destruction of worlds or cities or anything like that, you only just mostly see collapsing buildings and stuff. Uh, but you don't really ever see, um, like you don't see much people getting killed, except for maybe in R-rated projects, obviously, where they may show that in mm-hmm. great detail. But, like, this was kind of, like, one of the first ones, especially in an era where, like, obviously some graphic stuff wasn't really, was always censored and things like that. But this was, like, the first time, like, even though some of it's a mix of special special effects and all that, it's, like, you see all these people just dying left and right. And then that chasm that they fall in, when you see, like, the, the, the Krypton's just breaking open, then you see all these people just, like, falling down to their deaths and stuff like that. I remember as a kid, I was just, like... I, maybe not traumatized completely, but it was just like it was like wow, that was like they got the destruction of Krypton so right, and I feel it's far more effective than even the Man of Steel uh, destruction, to be honest. Because like with that, you just see a bunch of explosions and Michael Bay shit everywhere. But here, it's mm-hmm. like you see you see the bodies, you hear their terrified screams, 
echoing. And and most of the part, the score that plays through some of this stuff, it doesn't overdo. Like when when the when the screaming happens and stuff, it's all silence. It's like it's just like you only hear the screaming and seeing the destruction. And so I feel that really aged well because it just shows you the impact of the destruction and stuff, and just mm-hmm. like showing that like oh my god, like this was this is a terrifying thought. Like it's just such a terrifying thing. And then. Um, in terms of other things that have aged well, well, obviously, like everything to do with Reeves' performance and all that, like him having the duality and all that, like that obviously has aged extremely well. Just and then, of course, I I feel that most of the humor also worked too. Like there are some pretty like very funny things that they have in here and stuff. Like just again, everything with Clark being a big klutz and stuff like that. It's just like it's it's goofy, but it's charming. It's the kind of stuff that you just enjoy. You don't get frustrated by it. Doesn't feel forced. It just feels so natural. Um, and uh, of course, there are a couple of jokes that maybe have not aged well in some places due to the time, but. Um, and then also, I did like the fact that, um, again, the, the sense of wonder, as mentioned before, like, re- like that's the thing is that even though like after Krypton gets destroyed, even when you reach Earth, which everybody knows Earth and all that, is that there's still this sense of wonder that you feel, especially when he's on Earth. It's just like he feels like like he he's like this very special being and stuff especially when he immediately gets out of the pod the first time and then he lifts the like this little kid just lifting the truck like that's such a special little moment of wonder that you feel and i love those kind of bits because you don't feel that often now nowadays with some of the uh, superhero films and stuff is that there's like you don't get little moments like that that maybe people would consider just so absurdly silly, but I just feel like it's like it's that innocence. It's a kind of innocence that you like, and that's like that's what a lot of this film has. It has this sort of innocence that's like you don't get that much anymore. And it's like it, 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 I kind of want more of that. I want to feel this sense of wonder from mm-hmm. a certain perspective. Alrighty, uh, Jack, what do you got? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I think comic book movies have aged pretty well in just their general presence in the landscape. Um, he already mentioned Christopher Reeve. Uh, the tagline of this movie, you'll believe a man can yeah. survive. Yeah, one I, of the I best. One of the incredible. best. <laughs> yeah, that's a, whoever thought of that, hope they got their raise. Um, <laughs> he, he, he mentioned the humor a little uh, one bit that I particularly loved. I just love this small little moment of him running up to that, like, tiny phone booth on the oh side. yeah yeah <laughs> oh nice yeah subversion of expectations um some people have kind of like hated on a little bit but i honestly love the whole montage of him you know being super like some people kind of complain yeah. just about it being in a montage but i mean we don't get our first we don't get a glimpse of superman until like 45 minutes into the movie and no, then it's, that, it's it's an hour and 10 minutes in I and, then, and then that first looked superman, it up right it happened i was like damn and then that first like superman moment i love that like, scene like an hour and a half in and then yeah. you just get like all of it there at once so and yeah, then and of course you have john williams cooking in the background the whole time yeah. oh yeah and and in a way, it, the whole montage actually kind of fits perfectly because that's pretty much how the comics at the time were. There were it was a sure. bunch of montages of him just saving and stuff. So it's like if anything, it was a accurate depiction of comics at that time because like 
people kind of forget when these when when these were made at the time these are not the same they weren't the same comics as the ones that we get today and that's sometimes and that kind of like also is an argument that goes with uh, the batman as well because of course obviously he kills people in that but in the very first batman comics he killed people in that so it's like every that's the thing we have to remember about some of these older films is that a lot of them are based off the source material at the time a lot of it, uh, the source material now has changed and evolved under so many different writers and different since uh, that now that if someone who has maybe read a comic these days and uh, decides to watch it, they'll just go like, well, that's not true. 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 But no, it's like different time, different place. And even again, like I said, in the very opening before the big score and the credits and stuff, they literally have someone with a comic book, like literally just going through the pages and stuff. And that's literally what this film is, is that it's based on that kind of comic. It's kind of like a, uh, what's the word? Kind of like a time capsule. Time sure. capsule is the mm-hmm. best way to kind of put it. All right. What? Anything else, Jack? Uh, nothing that I want to bring up later. All right. Hunter, what do you got? Uh, what I liked the most about it, they both touched on it, is the optimism of Superman in this one, where mm-hmm. I was interested in Zack Snyder's approach to Superman in the modern world, mm. where if a person like that came to Earth who could destroy Earth if he wanted to, we know he won't because he's too red, but if he could, in our pessimistic world, how would we approach that? And I was interested in that. Until he actually executed on that idea. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I was at least interested in that concept. And I am interested in this concept of Superman just being this benevolent, almost Good. Jesus figure who is just perfect. But it was at least fun to watch. Where he's coming down, he's saving cats out of trees, he's stopping mm. jewel thieves. Innocence. Yeah, like I said. Yeah, I was, and that's the character. Was, that's pretty much who Superman is as a comic book character. So. And, and I... I it, it was, and this is a reaction to the movies we are getting, the darker comic book movies we are getting. To see something this light, uh, yeah. naturally light, was just fun to watch as it is. And I think Christopher Reeve really sells it when he's doing his, not jokes, but his fun line readings to Superman. He's more confident. It was interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. That was the main thing I took away from it was that kind of feeling of this is fun. This isn't the heaviest thing ever. It's not connecting to anything. It's not super important life-altering yeah. stuff but it, i was inter- high class entertainment yeah the only thing it did technically connect to was at the very beginning with introducing wow. zod and all that stuff like that yeah. was it. like to be honest I, that's I, like the one thing that I was like oh yeah i forgot they did that in this it's yeah. just like it felt I, it was I, the yeah. one thing that fell out of place in the thing that's like oh they should have maybe added that as the intro for the sequel not this yeah. one. oh they so, did but that, then that was- yeah, they brought it yeah, back. They did, but, but, yeah, they did. But yeah, but it's just like, but then like the rest of it, like you were saying, it's like, yeah, it doesn't really connect to anything. And again, no one even knew if there was even going to be, a, if they were going to make another one after this. Of course they did. They were making a part two, but at the same time, it's like no one really knew if it was going to be it or not and stuff. But it's just like, yeah, it very much is its own thing. It's like a very big Superman origin slash adventure uh, come to life like first issue like to introduce people to it and stuff so yeah so for me kind of i do like the idea of putting the action comics at the forefront especially at that time we weren't getting these types of adaptations outside of batman 66 so i thought that was executed well um terrence stamped cooked in that one scene he had mm-hmm. Dion waiters yeah. jack or do you have another Dion waiters here 
Uh, I've got another. Ooh, but, I'm very interested yeah. who your Dion Waiters is then. Um, I do like that Donner takes his time exploring the destruction of Krypton and Kal-El's childhood in Smallville, uh, the relationship he builds before he goes to Metropolis. Um, Christopher Reeve, we've already talked about it, the, VF, the flying VFX, because if you couldn't believe a man could fly, then the movie would completely fail and the tagline would also fail. So mm-hmm. I think all that aspect works really well. Um mm-hmm pretty much touched on everything i did want to add uh two more two more things growing up i really wasn't a fan of margot kidder as lois but i as i've gotten older i think she's actually really solid in the first two movies can't say the same about the three and four but uh (laughs) yeah she's really solid here uh this one goes out to jack uh what's age the best otisberg no not a fan of otis otisberg oh ned Beatty. The henchman. I, yeah. I love yeah. the character. I, I love that character. Joke. And also yeah. the final. Yeah, like Ned Beatty. Yeah, Ned Beatty's the man in here. Uh, the final shot of the movie, I think, uh, where oh, Chris Reeves yeah. pretty much f- flies around the gl- globe. It became a staple of this franchise until Reeves left. Uh, it kind of followed suit. Batman followed suit in 89 and 92. And then in 95 and 97 with their own little, you know, exit from the movie. Um, yeah. And what's age the worst? Uh, this will be short for oh, me, boy. so I'll just go quick. Um, aluminum foil Kryptonian suits. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, that was the one where it was like interesting concept. It looks really cheap and stupid, <laughs> but I give you, I give you like the attempt at it, where I was just like looking at them the whole time because it's just so bright and distracting, yeah, it was the, kind of. The, the brightness I, reminded me of Tron, to be honest. Yeah. Where uh, it was so bright that I was like, you know, that's an interesting idea because that is just so not obnoxious, but kind of weird to look at. Hang, hanging out and playing records at the thing to do. <laughs> oh. it, was, um, it was a thing to do, you know, hint, hint. <laughs> Lex, <laughs> what uh, it actually meant. We, hit, we, we hinted at this before. Lex Luthor's look, I, I, I hated it. Yeah, that didn't didn't really age well as well as well. I, I again the like of course this is based on the comics at the time and all that because Lex Luthor like in comics and stuff he was into whole real estate stuff and all that. But I'm just going like when when you look at that as his motivation and all that and like how he wants to create his own mm-hmm. empire on the southeast coast is like. Yeah, I think Lex would think bigger than that <laughs> nowadays. Like, it's very much a Doctor Evil sort of. Uh, and that's right. fine. It's the f- it's the f- it's their first time out. They, I, I, I give like that a pass. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I give I, it a pass I, again. I I give uh, Superman Returns less points. For yes, recycling. there you oh, go. I was like, really? Yeah. It did okay. it again? <laughs> yeah, that 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 is true. That is true. But it's I know, just like it's, some... you know, well, no, it's not. No, that one's technically a. Sequel. sequel to a sequel to a non prequel like there wasn't a prequel yeah. they're just like ah we're just gonna start at n- yeah. number two I, you you think real estate agents have little figurines of lex luthor on their stand on their in their cars for how much he loves real estate how <laughs> to the answer of lex luthor <laughs> i i i give them points on it's again the concept of like yeah there's no more land left to conquer so i'm just gonna make my own and become it i was like okay but then i at the same time like it's still kind of stupid. Maybe it's Robert like Town was involved with the <laughs> that yeah, in Chinatown. Oh, that was his note. He's like, just make it about real estate, and they're like, they did, then they didn't let him write it though. He just said the idea. <laughs> All right, Jack. What He's do you like, do? no, I, I not will... like that, you idiots. Yeah. 
Uh, we kind of just touched on it, and these other two are kind of more, generally speaking, for like the broader audiences rather than like me particularly. I think the runtime and pacing can definitely like turn some people off. We mentioned earlier, there's like a whole hour and 18 minutes without Superman, which today yes. would definitely be an interesting oh. choice, people would think, but I think it works really well. Um, and then I was scared this would be... Uh, a turn back for a hunter or we might see later. Oh yes, yes, the day, yes. The Deus Ex Machina at the end, I think. Oh and that's something that yeah. people can I, complain about and yeah. I'll be like, all right, like I I get it. I get it. But it was it, one it, of the like He was just so angry the... though. He was just so angry when he yeah, did that, it. Yeah, that that yeah. scream yeah. That, like that, that, yeah, that like, is the, something. one of the most primal screams I think I've heard like any movie ever. Oh yeah. He he nailed that part and stuff. But also, I think, and to add on that part, I will say one thing that I did feel. I, I know we're talking about things that didn't age well, but like one thing I will say age well is that when Lois was drowning in dirt, that was fucking terrifying to me. I mean, mm. like, like yeah. rewatching it nowadays and stuff because it looks so real. It's not special effects they're using. Like, obviously, it's just them tossing dirt in her, but it's like the, that idea is just like, oh, that's like, that's something scary to just like the very thought of it and stuff is just like like this very very claustrophobic kind of stuff and i think they definitely nailed that part so but yeah that's but yeah the whole uh spinning earth backwards sort of thing like i feel like okay yeah that sort of age well but i also kind of found it strange that like also they had uh obviously um jor-el speak to him and stuff saying like oh interfering with human history and all that, like you should, it's forbidden, and all that. But it's just like, yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's fully committed to doing it. There's no use warning him now. <laughs> For sure. Uh, anything else on your? Do you have anything, Hunter? Uh, mine was mostly any. I like Gene Hackman as an actor. I really like him. Mm. But I think Lex Luthor. Maybe it's more. It's it's more about written because at this point there was no, and I don't think there has been a good Lex Luthor portrayal on the big screen. Oh, I think him. I think he. I thought he was good. Like I don't know. Spacey, I thought was good. Yeah. yeah, The movie sucks. The movie's not good, but I think he Mm -hmm. was good. I I I think Spacey was a good casting. I definitely think. Yeah, I have Mm -hmm. not seen Super. I saw Super Returns like ten years ago, and I really didn't like it. I have no intention of going back to it. It's boring. Do you know what's (laughs) a wild? Do you know what's a wild fact about Super Returns? He doesn't hit anybody the entire movie. Like he doesn't throw a punch at a person yeah, the entire movie. Right. Isn't the only thing he does is the the plane sequence, which is pretty good actually. Mm-hmm. The plane sequence for Super Returns. Yeah, I do like Brown and Roth in in the role. I just think there's like so many other issues with that movie. That's 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 a movie that I always forget exists. The Superman Returns. Where I'm like, I was like, man, they did the Superman movies, and then now they have Man of Steel. They just waited like, till oh, Man of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, there was a whole other movie in there that nobody mm-hmm. cares about. I'm like, oh yeah. 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 No, it is Lex Luthor. I just think I just don't think he's an intimidating villain or anything like that because he is intimidating because he's the Batman to Superman where he has no powers but his intellect is better. And I think this plot, his plot, is just kind of silly. I'm just saying. Eh. Although, although the fact that he's willing to kill for it kind of makes him like, it's oh true. god, that like, like especially like when he was being tracked by that detective and stuff like that, and that, of course they were following yeah, him. And, but and, but then immediately, yeah, he the like literally that's Luther's Luther's entrance and stuff is that he kills yeah. someone right off the spot, and it's just it's... like, and, and he's just like, he goes like, oh whatever, and like even when mm-hmm. that one one chick is talking to him, he goes like, like you're sick in the head, and he goes like. 
oh, oh well. Like he's so he's such a sociopath, like from the very beginning. And I do I did like that bit, and that is kind of something that Lex would do because it's like, oh, like yeah, he's just like, oh yeah, I can just do whatever the hell I want. I was like, I'm I'm just this guy who has everything in the world and all that. It's just like I we, don't. We need to get. Alex so. Luthor akin to uh, Jack Horner from Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, who's just so unapologetically <laughs> evil and self-aware about it. Uh, or, 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 even, uh, or even in the, the Super Pets, uh, Mark Maron's take on Lex, <laughs> on Lex Luthor was pretty good, too. Do we have anything um, else? What I was looking for, is there a reason that Otis is his henchman? That was one thing I was asked. Because like, Otis is, is a man, a Hunter. Reason? Okay. I was only he, thinking he does, he does have that energy of like Lex just like found him someday and now yeah. he's just like they never stuck with him. They never explain never. it. He's just there. Which and is, like Miss Tessmacher is also I'll give her just she's a woman cuz she's a woman. I'll give her that in the 70s they're like, "Well, we got to have a hot woman there, of course." Yeah. And then, and I think but, like oh. it was one of those I know they have to have comedy relief in the movie, but I was like after like the 7th bumbled attempt, I was like why does right. that with this guy? He is super rich <laughs> and powerful. Why does he just hire like the A team? As so a I'm guessing team? you'd react the same way if this guy that's a bumbling idiot name gave himself a town in your takeover of the world. Yeah, it's it's as I find I like Ned Beatty and I like he is funny in this movie. But after some while, after like the the, the, the sixth or seventh comedy bit, I'm like, okay, why is this really here anymore? Like, why is he actually here? What uh, was your parole? All yeah, right. I, he was only briefly in the comics and stuff, but he dies pretty quickly and stuff like that. He wasn't really that much of a favorite and stuff. So. All righty, so let's move on to the other categories here. We have the Joe Spinell That Guy Award. Um, Jack, you seem like you're ready to cook here. I think you're – well, you're probably going to be upset when I read this name. I, I, th- I wonder if we have-, have the same one. But it absolutely is him, just because I like he is the definition of a oh, it's that guy, and it's Terrence Stamp. No, you do not do that. Oh no, I'm sorry, but to me, he is the yes man from Yes Man, and I only realized that this most recent viewing, and I was like, oh shit. Oh, Jack, you broke my heart. He played Chancellor Valorum in Phantom Menace, so I was like, oh yeah, he was those guys. I don't have anything that I'm like. Oh, that's him. And like, I'm, he's like Zod. I mean, like Superman too. Like I've seen a few times, but like the original Superman movie, I've watched like many, many, many times. And you know, he's in what, like three minutes? What in <laughs> this that? one? Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 So like, it's Cause he only has like two lines. Yeah. yeah. He's good. Yeah. So he's never like had a huge, like, He's at least never made a big impact on me, at least in this movie that I've seen like many, many yeah. times. But he also played Superman too. He's great. He also played Jarrell on Smallville. Oh, yes, he did. Okay. Yes, he did. Yeah. Nice. So my that guy award goes to a man that I uh, saw in another in one of my top five favorite films of all time, Mister Mark McClure, who played Jimmy Olsen, who was also yeah in Back to the Future, Marty McFly's brother. Yeah. Oh that wow, that's funny. Good for him. <laughs> that's good poll. So that's yeah. That is every time I watch Back to the Future, I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, it's Jimmy Olsen. So Hunter, who do you got here? If you have anybody, mine is uh, Trevor Howard as one of the elders. He's less his first elder of Krypton, so he's on the council, I guess. But he's in, 
a bunch you get, like, of the Skype in, like video of his head. Yeah, they well, yeah, I like I love those heads at the beginning. I was mm-hmm. like, what is going on? But it's it's intimidating <laughs> and cool. But he's in a bunch of David Lean movies. He's in Gandhi. He's like this high, like British actor, respected British actor, and he comes in for two minutes like Terrence Stamp, and then leaves and dies. And I'm like, you know what? Respect for doing that. Um, what about you? So what do you got? Uh, well, I guess just like remembering that Marlon Brando was in it because again, several years and stuff is uh, is like oh, like immediately see him on screen is like oh, there he is and stuff like that. There's there's the Godfather right there and there and then and stuff. So that was just like my moment. But that's more of like time passes that I just didn't really remember he was in it and stuff. So that was kind of my moment and all that. Alrighty, that guy award, the Almar. No, I'm sorry, the Al Martino miscast award. Um, so I'm I'm gonna do it. It's Gene Hackman, and I do I think ha- all of and us I are. do have an alternate, yeah. and I wanted to throw it at you. Okay, okay. How about Peter O'Toole? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because, oh my he, god, that yeah. would have been perfect. Ironically, he, he, ends been... Up, he ends up being in Supergirl a few years later. Oh but... god, and and the the performance he had in that was fucking terrible. Like Jesus. But yeah, I could see yeah. him in that suit. He probably would have shaved his head without complaining about it. For sure. Yeah. No. Yeah, he'd be great. Uh, like, ja- that Shakespearean kind of quality. Jack, what yeah. do you got? I. Are we sure Brando was the best option out of <laughs> everything we could have possibly gotten? I I feel like there's, was. there's like, one name that I, I like them of, too. Just, no, I I really like them, but there was one name that I kind of thought of, and I just like thinking of like that kind of character and like kind of more so like what I maybe expect him to be. You know, Brando's a bit more like a bit more quiet, and I don't know, like if we wanted to take something a bit more like commanding and like kind of almost feels like the leader of like that planet charlton heston maybe i feel like he was at that age where he could have he could have played like 35 but he also could have played 65 so uh... taken a lot of different options i mean I, like brando's still good but i don't know it I, seemed like I, there were times I, where yeah. i was he just like came off as like like the performance was almost like kind of like unnecessarily like meek and just like quiet at times, but it worked. I, I, but also like there were moments during like, like the whole, like the whole trial. I feel like was kind of just like playing it down a little bit. When I feel like if you're dealing like in a treason trial, you know, like you'd be going crazy and just like screaming and all that well, kind of stuff. But even then, though, I didn't feel that he necessarily needed to and stuff because I felt like he already had a commanding presence just there. Like, that's the thing is that and that's sometimes the thing that I think people sometimes get wrong is that like, oh, you don't need to be like loud and aggressive to have a commanding presence just like a military stuff. You can you can do it in other ways. And that's what I felt with him and stuff is that he had this presence like just whenever he was in the room just just being there and all that it's like you could feel he has the authority and he has the respect of others and even when he starts arguing with the council and stuff it's like you feel that there is an, a mutual amount of respect here even though they're arguing about something very serious like you can feel that it's like he brings this 
effort into the room, which is a lot more than I can say for uh, Russell Crowe's portrayal of the same exact character. <laughs> I just yeah. never felt that with him and all that. Like it didn't. There wasn't this aura. There wasn't this presence. And of course, not talking about the aura from the shining clothes and stuff, but like more like a metaphorical uh, aura yep. that he brings in. All right, Hunter, what do you got? Mine was Gene Hackman as well, and because I like Gene Hackman, but I was like, yeah, maybe not the best Lex Luthor, and because I think everyone else is, I couldn't think of anyone that's like not well cast, mm-hmm. so I was fine with that one. I was uh, fine with all of them. Like, I don't think Gene Hackman's bad in the movie. I just don't yeah. think he was totally right for the role. And I'm like, I was, tr- I was trying to figure out, even look up. It's like, why? Did, like, do they pick him just because he's a star? You know, what is, what did they lead him to? Mm-hmm. You think Nicholson yeah. would have worked? No. In 78? Right after, mm-hmm. right before The Shining. Nick, Nick, Nicholson never... I feel like seems... he would have been too young. Like, I feel like Hackman, like... Oh, age-wise, yeah. Get, Hackman didn't get famous until he was, like, like 41 or... Like, this, like this, French this Connection also, came late. Yeah, this is Nicholson right after Cuckoo's Nest, where Nicholson is perfect as a Joker because he could be crazy. Exactly. And he looks is, crazy. Yeah. And Lex Luthor is very controlled and composed, and I don't buy Jack... Nick- even Jack Nicholson as composed is still creepy and weird it's still mm-hmm. him, so it wouldn't work. For much. sure. Yeah, All right. So. What about you? You have uh, Hackman here too, right? It's it's pretty much Hackman. Um, and anyone you'd replace yeah. him with? Oh, at that at that time, like. Oh. <laughs> so Hackman came back for the fourth movie for whatever reason but did he, is he in two or three he's in two yeah, he's in two yeah, he's in two, he's in two and then he's in four. Oh, he's nuclear man in four by the way oh, also yeah. yeah he had played he did a double role in that one and yeah his his only line as nuclear man because nuclear man is played by another person and he is dubbed by gene hackman and all his all his only line is like destroy superman superman yeah it's pretty <laughs> hilarious that cost, co- probably cost him 100 grand right there yeah uh, all right deadlift shrimp six man of the film best supporting player uh i i have marlon brando all right and uh, i just didn't want to because i think you guys are gonna have someone else jack what do you got here i've got glenn ford what, two what? scenes yeah, oh, Paul Kent. Yeah, okay. two, yeah, he's two, really good. Two scenes, and I, I think just pretty much sets up the complete emotional and moral core for Clark for the rest of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. That whole speech of him just saying, like, you were here for a reason uh, is really emotional. And then his character's death, I mean, just still really works. Very simple, especially when and very compared sudden. to... Yeah, very, very simple, very sudden, but still just really works, especially Clark's kind of whole aftermath with it, with it. Um, and yeah, but there's uh, a lot of I, I think Ned Beatty's also like right there behind him, too, for uh, like the oh, the characters definitely like, eh, but Ned Beatty's performance, I think, was great. All right, Hunter, what do you got here? Mine is Ned Beatty just for uh, yes. elevating. I don't think a great character, but I'm like. This is a very annoying character that I would normally hate, but I like Ned Beatty, so I was okay with this. So this bumbling kind of idiot thing where that I wasn't, I'm very much never on board for. So I was like, okay, I give him, I give him a shout out for that one because 
this is him right after network as well so it's like man this guy is <laughs> yeah on, this guy's yeah. on a, like he's doing two very different kind of things here one's very talkative and one's this one's more like a physical comedy performance that i was very into awesome Bo- bonus points for the john williams tuba that goes <laughs> for a yeah, i know it works so uh, well uh, what about what about you, Hugh? Well, I'm going to pull out a certain name that hasn't been referenced yet, and that's Jackie Cooper as Perry White. Ooh, uh, good one. Like, like he was like he played that character so well with the hot temper and everything. It's just like like he's such a lovable like douchebag and yeah. stuff because he's like he's like every single like newspaper well obviously uh newspaper company head ever and stuff it's like well we got him we gotta get this the bigger story above everyone else it's like like it's such a he's such a drill sergeant uh and some of the the lines he says were just like so memorable it's just like oh i forgot he says something like that it's just like it's like it's just like one of those roles where it's just like it's like you can pitch it like oh yeah this is like the angry police chief sort of role and all that but it's a newspaper company but he just plays it so well and it's just like oh it's such a very funny one and stuff uh, alrighty and then MVP is anyone not have Christopher Reeves here John Williams in second place oh I would I would put today I put Dick Donner in second place and, <laughs> and the VFX and the VFX team yeah uh, I, 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 I yeah all right great yeah, so yeah. easy pe- easy peasy <laughs> all right peaks and valley before we get out of here um, is this the peak, Jack, for aluminum foil? Hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure there were some sci-fi movies in the '50s that made good use for it, with like spaceships mm. and stuff. So I might have to do some looking to it. I mean, are we are we talking about peak amount of it or peak efficient <laughs> usage of it? Because usage, amount, yes. Usage in movies. Efficient, efficient use of usage. movies. Uh, then I'd say not a valley, but like a, I don't know. <laughs> is this the peak, Jack, for scores peaking in the first 15 minutes of a movie? Yeah. Well. Well, when would Star you, Wars would, 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 argue, right would you argue there's a better piece in Halloween than the theme? Because um, that's something else that has four pieces, but. So the fact that. Yes, so it's not matching the opening theme, but I do feel when the shape stalks Lori, that yeah, theme that yeah. theme slaps, and then mm-hmm. Lori's house Lori's also, theme, yeah, yeah, Lori's theme also mm-hmm. slaps. Um, so I think that movie overall, the score works from top to bottom, not just peaks yeah. at the opening. Um, is this the peak for Christopher Reeve? Yeah, oh, <laughs> what else would yeah. it be? Is the Rear uh, Window remake? Yes. Yeah, say, unfortunately for him, it didn't turn out the greatest. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, um, that's unfortunate. Peak for Richard Donner, Dick Donner, or is it the Goonies? Well, I, I, I well, say this: Lethal, one. Lethal yeah. Weapon came what, like two years after Goonies? Yeah, it so did. So I, I think, I think, yeah, yeah. That, I think it's all a matter of th- th- this. This sets up the value for. for I, I think, think he's actually, rap- yeah, he's going to be. I was going to say because the Omen came first which is like obviously great but i mean superman like biggest movie of 78 probably um and then just sets up for everything else he gets to do later on so yeah it's it's tough but i think he's really underrated and has a lot of really good high points so it's kind of hard to tell and last one is this the peak for real estate in film (laughs) okay (laughs) this is an actual thought 
Um, I think I have one, and you probably are probably. I I think you well, may you agree. You can count Chinatown because that whole kind of thought process of Guess, you either yeah. bring the water to L.A. or you bring so the, L.A. to the water. The only other one that came to mind was Glengarry Glen Ross. <laughs> it was that's true. Was that real estate? They're selling property. Oh, yeah, They're selling estate. property. The leads, the leads, the leads, the leads. The leads. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta need the leads. Um, what about you, Jack? Do you have anything? Uh, well, this one, I, some of these are kind of easy. Is this the peak of Superman movies? Oh yeah, not even. Yeah, fucking close. yeah. I would say so. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I think back which to... is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Where we've had think... what. Uh, We've Six, actually seven hour how many and I don't think any of them are that good. The clo- oh, the I close... haven't seen the rather Reeves, so I shouldn't say the that. I know they're not Superman two is good. Superman two is solid. Okay. Um mm. the, I, I will watch that now. The closest thing to a Superman property I've liked since nineteen eighty two when Superman two came out was um or nineteen eighty one was uh the Superman and Lois television show. Yeah. That's about it. I, I, I feel yeah, I feel that's probably the closest, especially again, it actually has those small innocent moments again and all that. Like that, that like of course as I was mentioning before, like the saving cat out of the tree thing that was in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh there's actually a very little moment in uh the I forgot which episode it was. I know it was the first season, but it was actually something that was taken directly from one of the old action comics. It's this moment where he talks uh to the like so after he saves this uh, one car from crashing I think I don't remember the episode but he talks to this kid and stuff it goes like the kid goes like nice outfit and he says thanks my mom made it for me like that's mm-hmm. like it's such a cute little interaction and stuff and that's where I felt like oh wow this is like the closest thing that we've ever been to Superman and stuff because it's like yeah that's to- that's totally like what he would something he would say and the kind of interaction that he would have with someone and stuff. But so yeah, that I do agree that was like the closest we've had. But then no other Superman other than that has really reached that level. It's just like small kindness and things. So and anything else, my, Jack? My final one, which we kind of already touched on, but we can just give the definitive answers. I do think this is the peak for superhero theme music, but the obvious second place. It's Bat- I think for it's... me, it's Batman 89. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's either this or that. So the big it's difference, just... the big difference, Jack, I think this feels like a theme. Batman 89 feels like a March. Mm-hmm. When I wa- when I listen to 89, it just feels like a, like a, like a march and this one just feels i mean it works they both work this one this one's more of a march i was gonna say say, this one's i'm pretty sure this is titled opening prelude in march (laughs) no no it's called Uh, superman main theme yeah it's called superman main theme there's there's there's, it's used in like three different tracks technically like raiders march yeah like in raiders that's raiders march i believe but like if i if i saw on the fourth of july a band going through the street to the superman music you're like yeah that makes sense to the batman music that'd be weird yeah, like, like like carrying violins and such, like uh, yeah. What? But yeah, it's all it's also just like the just like the triumphant kind of feeling it gives. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's just yeah, like the th- this to me just like I don't think I've ever heard a superhero score sound more like it belongs to a superhero movie than this in like a very good way, uh, just mm-hmm. like as heroic and like mm-hmm. as smile inducing as it can get, really. Got it. All right, Hunter, do you have anything here, or did we cover everything? Uh, peak efficiency at killing off a parent. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, 
they mention his heart when he's fixing the truck. Well, okay, I was like, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. And he gets older, and then immediately Clark's like, Dad, I'm gonna race you. Literally, he runs 10 steps and dies. I was like, damn, they killed him. And ironically, this actually captures, and this is what I hate the most about Man of Steel, is that they changed the way uh, his dad dies. And everyone like mm-hmm. everyone that likes the movie likes to argue with me about, like, oh, it's because, you know, he's he's making this sacrifice. I'm like, shut the fuck up. The, if it's my no father, is that, that. If, if I had these powers and my father was about to get fucking blown up in a tornado, no one's going to see me rescue him. I'm going to be so quick. What? It's going to be. Right. Why did, um. I forgot. Why does Kevin Costner get, let himself be killed? I don't remember. He like, pretty much, was I'm the, pretty sure t- it was Clark was like going to rescue him. Process, yeah, he was like, your secret is like more like important than important. like my life, which like, yeah. Stupid, like, man. The, the, point, the point of him <laughs> dying from a heart attack is basically that even with all his powers, he couldn't even he couldn't save his save dad. It's That's like, literally what he I, says in the movie. I'm, so yeah. I was, he says it, but I was also wanting him to be like, I just told my dad to race when I knew he has a condition. <laughs> now, now, now I know he didn't kill him that way because he literally walked ten steps. So like you wouldn't think that would kill him. But I was like, I wonder if that messes with them. Like I killed my dad to an extent, mm-hmm. somewhat. But yeah, I was I was kind of impressed at the the Chekhov's gun of it all, where they were like, "Pa, your your heart, you gotta watch out." Literally five minutes later, he's dead. I was like, "Damn, they got it quick." Anything else? Um, peak. Let's see. No, I think peak damsel in distress not being annoying. I think Lois being yeah. in distress is okay. I'm with you there. Yeah. All right, anything? On I don't your... know. I, I I literally audibled right there. I'd have, I've made something. Mm-hmm. Anything on your I'm end, good. Hugh, or did we cover everything? Well, I, I think maybe one last thing to add is probably peak first superhero act when he saves Lois and stops the helicopter yeah, from falling all... the first time. Like, and yeah. because because of course you think like okay, the first like because every superheroic act is always the most important one because that's always going to define like it's a defining moment for a character sometimes right. there the, sometimes the first time doesn't really go well and all that but like this was kind of like the first time that he did it and he was perfect at it in every single way which is, i mean like nowadays it's like people kind of hate that like they kind of hate that like oh the idea is like oh yeah you would get it totally get it the first time around and all that. Well, nowadays it's like most of the heroes, like especially newer ones and stuff, when they try to save people, they kind of struggle doing it. And it's and it's done in a realistic manner that I think people kind of like a lot more. But like, understandably, with a character like this and stuff, it's like, oh yeah, the first time he does it, he's very good at it. And it's not until later that it comes uh, with weakness stuff. And then, and actually, speaking of weakness, uh, this was kind of like the peak first time a superhero weakness is exploited in such an interesting way uh because uh, and it's the one great scene where of course uh um lex tricks him into opening the lead box to where the kryptonite uh necklace is in i don't know why it's on a necklace that was one of the strange Mm -hmm. bits and stuff but it was like the way that reeves like portrays like he's like feeling so weakened by and stuff he does such a great (laughs) job playing it off like some people will say it's cheesy but it's like that's a very good way to like show is like it's like it's like it's like hurting me so bad and all that and then of course you just see lex just like waving at him just like a freaking toy and stuff it goes like it's like mind over muscle like that that to me was the most lex luther moment that gene hack delivers for sure Alrighty, and then valley i gonna just answer for all of us here i think it's comic book films and yeah <laughs> that's that's about it uh 
anything like worth even noting here <laughs> except comic book films. I, I was gonna put this in. Uh, I was gonna put this in peaks earlier, so it's funny that Hugh kind of brought this up. Uh, but then I remember that every single great one, I'm pretty sure, came after this. So I guess this began the Valley of Awesome helicopter scenes. Because I was gonna, I was considering putting it in peak, but then I remember that like the undeniable peak of helicopter scenes comes out the next year with Apocalypse Now. So not not um, not cliffhanger. No, not uh, and, and not the Matrix. Wait, if you want, if you want to talk about it, go ahead. I was gonna ahead. say, what, like, whole, <laughs> gonna say how long we'll, of cliffhanger? We'll, we'll be okay with Apocalypse Now. We'll be on that side. No, I I I am with you guys there. Uh, <laughs> okay, righty. Hunter, do you have anything, or you're good, dear? No, I'm good. All right, awesome. Mm. Uh, Hugh, you're good, right? Yeah, I'm good. All right, awesome. All right, so let's finish up with some fun facts about the movie. Uh, so I saved this for now just because uh, this actually revolves around the creators of Superman, Jerry Siegel, and Joe Schuster. So they have been developing Superman stories since 1933, uh, hoping to sell it to a syndicated newspaper, but after years, uh, they decided to... Uh, publish Superman as their own in March 1938. They sold all the rights to Superman to DC. Do you know how much? Jack, do you know? If not, I'll ask Hunter. $300. Say again, sorry? How much did they uh, sell the rights to Superman to DC in 1938? Yeah, I could see this being like a solid $20 bill. Like a James Cameron (laughs) selling the rights to Superman like a dollar. A hundred and thirty dollars. Wow! Just like a steak dinner or something. So they obviously regretted the decision to sell Superman. Obviously, Uh, yeah. I was gonna say that's like no matter what, it's still nothing. I was gonna say yeah, it's like maybe a thousand. So they pretty much were not reaped to any royalties for almost fifty years or forty years until the release of Superman seventy eight, where they were actually. Labeled as the creators of Superman, and from then on to the end of their lives, they were labeled as the creators, and to this day of Superman, which is it. There's a there's an interesting documentary about them, those two, that kind yeah. of touches on that stuff. All right, next up to obtain muscular, uh, what is it, musculature to convincingly play Superman, Christopher Reeve underwent a bodybuilding regime with a villain, a villainous man. <laughs> who was in another trilogy directed by a few guys, but the first one was directed by George Lucas the year before. Mr. David Prowse was Christopher Reeves's personal trainer. Um, wow. Workout buddies with Darth Vader. To a, yeah. uh, 20 a minute mark to achieve the shot of young Clark Kent kicking a football into orbit, an air cannon was placed underground and the football fired from it. <laughs> um so initially, Gene Hackman refused to not just cut his hair, but he refused to cut his mustache as well. <laughs> oh, wow. In w- early one sheets of the movie, his face is featured with a mustache. Before Donner and Hackman met face to face, Donner proposed to Hackman that if he cut his mustache, Donner would cut his too. And Hackman agreed. It turned out later that Donner did not have a mustache at all. He wore a fake mustache and he peeled it off at the last moment wow did he, did he, did he do it right in front of hackman like gotcha, right boy. after <laughs> wow uh, 
to maintain yeah, the on. That's a good fake mustache, then. For sure. To no, to maintain the on-screen continuity, I felt bad for this guy. So uh, Jeff mm-hmm. Easy played the young Clark Kent. Unfortunately, he was probably not paid by SAG for this film because all his lines were dubbed by Christopher Reeve. Oh, what? Ooh. I didn't oh, know that. I thought it was yeah, actually him. I, I didn't know that either. But once I read that and going back and watching it, you could I'm tell. Like, yeah, this tell. is totally dubbed. Oh. I couldn't. I. I mean, I could tell it was dubbed like post, like most stuff, but I didn't know it was Christopher Reeve. So I'll give him yeah. it was a good dub in terms of it's not distracting. It yeah. was Marlon Brando's idea to have Jarrell wear the same S symbol on his clothes that Kala would la- later wear as Superman. That's, that's fine. That that became literally would become a tradition with the rest of the comics following after. And even Man of Steel kind of does the same sort of thing where has Jor-El have the the S on his suit and all that. So it's like it, it's something that continued on. Like that's the thing for, is that for sure. Yeah, that some of these movies inspired some of the newer comics and mm-hmm. all that. So like yeah, the, some ideas that were made from this well basically became canon in comics. This followed suit in Batman where Michael Keaton was not placed as the lead of the film. Uh Christopher Reeve wasn't either. Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman actually were placed on the title card above Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. I did see that. Yeah, I forgot that that was what they did in the opening. I was kind of realized, wait, wasn't Christopher Reeves' thing supposed to be before the title and all that? So it was it was odd odd placing. This is a this is a, a fun one. Christopher Reeves proved to be an even greater asset than anticipated because he actually flew gliders as a hobby and uses experience as a pilot to make Superman's flying feel more believable, which is. A pretty awesome cool. take. Uh, and then we mentioned Superman 2. Dick Donner shot 75% of Superman 2 before he was fired. Yeah. Which is... It's and, when you watch, and when you watch both of them, his cut is superior than, mm-hmm. than the theatrical I, I, I cut. The original Donner Snyder cut, cut debacle. <laughs> it was, uh, it was also when I... Because um, I don't have Max right now, so I watched this through... Legal methods, we'll say, whatever. Yes. <laughs> but when I first pulled up, this was a three-hour, ten-minute cut of the movie. I was like, okay, I, I'm on a bit of a time crunch. I, I'm not, I'm not doing this. So I went down mm. the two twenty cut. Mm. Like, there, there well, have been, there have been a lot of different like cuts of this movie. Like mm-hmm. I remember one cut, like uh, the first one I owned on DVD. I'm pretty sure that like the girl in the train that Lois or the girl in the train that. Clark was racing was like a young Lois Lane, but like in the like oh, Max version that I rewatched today, yeah. like it cuts that scene out. I'm like, yeah, it just works better. Like it's oh, not the, even... the train. The train scene's not even in that. No, 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 no. Like there's just like one oh, little okay. shot of the girl okay. going like, "Mom, look," and like that's it. Yeah. Like okay. there's no like audio or anything. Mm-hmm. That'd be weird if that was the young Lois Lane. That, was... Spe- that, that wouldn't have worked at all. Speaking of Superman two, did you know that Marlon Brando sued Warner Brothers for fifty million dollars? Because he felt cheated out of the film's considerable box office profits. This is the main reason why footage of Brando does not appear in Superman 2 until the Donner Cut was released in 2006. And see, the, 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 that, that's, that's kind of petty funny, as fuck, like, man. Yeah, like if you're getting three million for like a week's worth, a week's worth of work and you're just like reading from cue cards, man, like. That's, that's a, a steal. Like, yeah, fuck that's a off, steal. Man. Like, just come yeah. on. Uh, Christopher Reeve based his performance on a movie I love, on a character, on an actor that I love, Cary Grant's character in Bringing a Baby from 1938. Ooh, <laughs> I, could, 
I I do see the similarities. With yeah, that one. that's a good one. He, uh, he he's kind of a Cary Grantish. Cary Grant bit. Superman in the fifties. I could see it. Yeah, better yeah. than I mean George Reeves had a tragic end to his life, but I Cary Grant as Superman would have been yeah. pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, the film's credit sequence cost more than most movies did at the time. Uh, understandably, considering all the space shots that they did for that. The origi- yeah, speaking of Cary Grant, we should do a, a, a trivia or not trivia, like a fan, fan cast of like, what if they made Batman in the 30s? Who would have played? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Or Superman. I mean, this is for another episode because we're going nearly three hours. But uh, if I had to think That's of true. Batman in the 30s, uh, man, can we just say no? Make Bogart do in the 40s. Bogey would have been the 40s. Jimmy Stewart too skinny? Yeah, because he's not Batman. He's not intimidating. Jimmy Stewart would be a good Superman. He's a fan IRL. Good Superman. So Marlon Brando suggested his cameo as Jarrell be done by him in Voice of Aurelia. We talked about that. Let me Bagel. <laughs> the search for an actor to play Superman began in 1975 and ended with a press announcement on February 23rd, 1977, just 35 days before filming was actually set to begin. And mm-hmm. finally, uh, Superman was the first comic book film to be uh, named or for preservation for the NFR for the Library of Congress. Do you know what the second one would be? And it would not happen for another three years. It was The Dark Knight. Correct. Yeah, and also Superman, honestly, late as hell to the party. Like, that was, like, 24-some-odd years after its, like, first inception. But, I mean, also, 2017 was maybe about, like, when that superhero presence really started to go up there. mm -hmm. So I I, I get why that was probably the year. For sure. All righty, so that wraps everything up. This was a long one, but a fun one. Uh, Jack, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, you can see what I'm watching over on Letterboxd. You just look up my name, you'll find me there. Uh, and you can also find us over on the League of Cinephiles. We're coming to the end of that single film trivia tournament, and it certainly has been an interesting one, and we definitely have more exciting stuff to come. And Hunter? You can find me at the Cinema Dispatch on the website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the places there. You look that up. Even on Letterboxd, you'll find me there. I keep going through a couple of can reviews. I'm still doing some articles on that. So a lot of uh, interesting uh, essays and retrospectives on my recent vacation slash business trip, I guess, if you want to call it that. Awesome. And and Hugh, thank you so much for being on today. Your information was and knowledge is very, very helpful to this podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can everyone find you? Uh, so I primarily do everything through my Instagram, which is HughV302. That's where you will find most of my reviews. Currently doing uh, some two ones. So obviously, either later this evening or probably tomorrow, I'll be doing Extraction 2 and then Elemental I'm watching soon. Uh, but you can also find uh, some of my reviews at MyPixelatedGeek.com as well as Guy at the Movies, where I actually do a bunch of uh, posts uh, related to origins of certain comic book characters in upcoming films. So if there's ever a character if you've been interested in wanting to know about, uh, that's where I usually post all my stuff. So. Awesome. And you can find my work at the cinematicreel.com. You can find me on Letterboxd at the Cinematic Reel and Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. You could also find my work on Rotten Tomatoes as well. Until next week, where we will be covering another anniversary of a movie I dearly love and should and if it wasn't for a steven spielberg movie maybe should have won best picture that year the fugitive
Until next week, see you at the Gates.